Welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stacken here, my good friend and co-host of this podcast. Travis Crins joins me here. Travis, uh, I, I can't believe it. Uh, I don't know if you can reach through the phone and uh, and pinch my cheeks like the good doctor used to do at the Summit League tournament. But uh, oh my God, Crins, the Vikings are still alive. They won. I won. I, I, I was not, I'm not happy because I bet a significant sum of money on them to lose that game, and I didn't. Oh, so you, so, <laughs> so you're upset with them that they lost, or that I they won? I'm not happy. I'm like, who, who, I saw one person, one person picked up from all the people that I saw picked up. Yes. Game, I saw yep. one person pick up. Yep. Uh, play some guy on pro football focus. There are like eight guys. One guy picked the bike. Like, yep. I, I didn't think they would win. Obviously, nobody did. So, and so then the cornerbacks got hurt. And like, well, okay, well, shit. They're, I mean, Christ, this going to be close. Yep. And so, the game continues to go on and on and on. And, so you're well, unhappy I mean, for your wallet. Yeah, I would, I would have preferred them to lose. Okay, if they're going to win this thing, then win the entire thing. One playoff game that's nice, but goddamn it! I, I, and then I want them to—I want them to win this week, and you know what's going to happen? They're not. Yeah. So, Listen, me and this this team that I like—it's such such a goddamn. And so, Corinne, I'm not going to lie. I'm even, just uh, go ahead, go ahead. When I want them to lose, they can't. And when I want them to win, they can't do that. Either. I think you should bet money on them every week if this is the result. I would gladly do that. <laughs> I would gladly bet whatever I bet last week and for them to make me lose every week if it meant winning a couple more games. So, so, I wasn't happy at the beginning. My goddamn big one. And then I got more, or I got less upset, and then I rewatched the game. I was in Sioux Falls. I came home and I rewatched the game. I got right day one. Good job. We beat the Saints. We don't like the Saints, so. Well, and that's the whole yeah, point. It's fine. it's not and like I, I, yeah, it's not like they so. beat the Lions or you know Washington or you know the 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 Cardinals. I would be what? This is a a team that we hate, and again, the karma is with the Saints. Uh, team for Bounty Gate. Now, I'm not going to go tooting the own horn and saying like, "Oh, look at the Vikings here," because I don't want to bring bad karma to the Vikings and stuff. I'm just going to enjoy this ride. I said on Sunday that I'm going that I was going to just enjoy the game, enjoy one more game of Vikings football. They're in the playoffs. But in all honesty, Saturday, I think it was Saturday. I started thinking like, you know what? You know, everyone is picking them. Maybe the Vikings can do something here. Like so I was starting to build a quiet confidence within myself. But still nothing to the point where I expected it to happen. I think everyone in their right mind didn't expect things to happen. You know, the Saints, Drew Brees was playing lights out in through the month of December. I mean, just look what he did to the Panthers, uh, to the Colts, and, uh, you know, whoever the hell else they played. Uh, I mean, they were... And the, the Titans, the Titans, they did really good against the Titans. I mean, they were just... They were playing so good, and, and like you said, with Alexander out and with Hughes developing a neck injury overnight, it's like, oh my gosh, how are they going to possibly defend 
the the Saints offense. It's just not going to happen. Like hopefully Dalvin can keep him in it. Hopefully Kirk can make some throws. And then the first drive of the game, the Viking Thielen fumbles in, and it's like it's just you know what Thielen just color quits on the season. Then he gets the holding penalty, which shouldn't have been a holding penalty at all. I think he had, didn't he have another drop in there? It's just like oh my gosh. This is just the way it's going to be for Thielen. It's just going to be the way it's going to be for the Vikings. And, you know, Taysom Hill, uh, the best quarterback on the field, certainly for the Saints, you could maybe say all game. He was maybe the best player all game uh, between the two teams. He was fantastic. And then, I mean, you just start to see, you know, there were so many opportunities early on for the Vikings to build a lead, and they couldn't do it. And then, you know, Hill throws that 50-yard pass inches away, a fingertip away from getting deflected. Like, Rhodes and Smith are closing in, and they just can't get to it. And you're like, oh, crap, here we go. You know, this is a big drive for the Vikings now. They're down 10-3. And what do they do? Dalvin Cook runs like a mother and gets in. I mean, it's now it's 10-10. Like, okay, now we need to stop. And the defense kept doing it. And ever since... It, what a, what an amazing time! And he's Zimmer said after the game, "Well, we threw something in, you know, to see if it works. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. You don't pull off the moving Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter inside unless it's for a big time game in a big time moment. And this was this was to keep their season on the line, especially with your corners out. You know, your secondary thin. They had to resign Marcus Sherrills for goodness sakes. They they put Sendejo at corner, and for for them to put in Griffin and and Hunter in the middle there and wreak havoc on the New Orleans Saints guards. And Drew Brees was off all day, but there was it was in large part because of the pressure, the consistent pressure that the Vikings front four got. And that was very, very awesome to see. Hopefully they can figure out a way to keep Everson here. Because Daniel Hunter's really good and Everson Griffin's really good. Hopefully they can can find a way to to bring him back. I thought defense A+. plus, plus on that defense. The way they played uh, with the the cornerbacks. I mean, they had some Dayo out there, for God's sake, so I hate and my idea was just whoever he's on, throw to him. And he he did he did exceptional. Yes. Never played nickel quarterback in his life, and he was good. And they did a lot of things that people had never done before, mm-hmm. and they played just fine. So the pressure they got, Drew Brees couldn't move around in the pocket. Like, he couldn't move. Like, he was in quicksand. Yeah. Like, move. These guys are coming. Move. They hold- your goddamn feet. Throw the ball away, and, and the, the Saints' offense was just frustrating as hell to watch because every because they played so well for so long, and mm-hmm. they couldn't do anything. And there'd be these passes, third and six, they throw to Kamara, two yards behind the line of scrimmage, and have him try to get eight yards, and none of that worked. And yeah, because. There's no logic would say the Vikings would win this game. That's why I bet on this game and said, yes, they're not going to win. Right. But that's that's the, the deal about sports, that you don't know what's going to happen, and that's, that's the part about sports. So I'll put my betting to uh, to the side, hopefully, for good. 
because, you know, and when we were talking last week at this time, it was Florida and Virginia. Yep. And nobody thought that game would be competitive, and it, it was very competitive. came down to the last minute. So, yep. uh, great performance by the defense. I thought the running game uh, was excellent. Delvin Cook was back healthy. That was fun to see. Uh, the quarterback made uh, was very good on third down. Uh, the overtime drive was excellent. Yes. The natty didn't do much, but he came up with the big throw late. So that was good. I, I, I guess I would give him a 6 out of 10. Oh. I'm grading him. I, I'd give him an, I would give him an 8 out of 10. I mean, he didn't do any... It, it, yes, he didn't do anything before nine, that. 19 to 30. Really you know, but I think they they had made a conscientious effort to run the ball. Now, this was not, by far not Stefanski's best game called, no, uh, the offensive this coordinator. Was, this, was all the this was the defense shutting the Saints down, getting two turnovers against a team that never turns it over. Eight turnovers yeah. during the season, an NFL low. I mean, and Hunter right. knocks it out with a fumble, or you know, yeah. forces Drew Brees to fumble for the first time all year. For goodness' sakes, stop with the pitch sweeps! I, I like, and they call it in the worst spots possible. Like, you know, at the end of the game, you know, you're trying to run the clock out. Why are you pitching it out there? Run up the middle. That's going to be the safest play. Why would you pitch it out there and then Cook nearly fumbles it, or he did fumble it? Thank goodness his knee was down. But why are you doing it there? Then why are you doing it at the goal line in overtime? Stop with the pitches. They don't work, at least not in that scenario. Just stop with it for now. Just use the zone blocking outside. It's too far. Uh, it was just, that was poor play calling uh, on in that regard. Madison had one run that uh, had to come back because of a phantom holding call against Thielen. But you're right. I mean, for the defense to give up 20 points to the New Orleans Saints in the Superdome with their lack of corners and with how well, I mean, Michael Thomas had seven catches for 70 yards. He routinely got over 100 yards a game with like 13 catches during the regular season. Jared Cook, the tight end, very good tight end. Uh, I mean, he was held largely in check. Alvin Kamara, a season low in terms of total yards and season low in terms of rushing, I believe. 21 yards rushing, or 22. Is, uh, what happened to him? I, he did not have a couple touchdowns all year. Yeah. What happened to him? I I don't know. It, it the, the frustrating part watching the game is that Taysom Hill could do whatever he wanted to against the Vikings. Like They had no answer for him. And then if you're if you're the if you're a Saints fan, there are many parts of this game that frustrate you. Uh, and I would put the officiating probably on the, you know at third or fourth. A you not very high for me. No, well, I'm bitch about the pass interference. When that's eh, getting a little ticky tacky. I mean, other than that, there was no call in this game. I mean, there were a couple of missed miss calls here or there where there was nothing in this game officiating wise that I had a problem with. Like, there was a play earlier on in the game where Rudolph was held. Uh, yes. A short play, Cousins nearly threw an interception on the play, and then it was a third down. Yeah, he, had a, he like, hooked him. Was, <laughs> at the very least, that's holding. Yep. And that was much more egregious than what Rudolph did. Right, because Williams, and I'm glad you agree that the, that 
that there shouldn't be a you know that or we're that we're both glad that there was no pass interference called in that or Saints guy wasn't playing the ball. Saints guy wasn't playing the exactly. ball. Exactly, and he's and grabbing Rudolph. He, he was grabbing too. Rudolph pushed. Other guy was grabbing. That's a no call for me. That's not a. Uh, I heard Kurt Warner say he thought it was. He would have called it on both of them and play replay the down. This football, they're going to be contact. Let them play. Let the players decide. It was a great throw. It was a good catch. Let them decide, and they did, and and they won. And this is not like what happened to the Saints last year in the NFC Championship game against the Rams. And you could see that PJ Williams, who is six inches shorter than Kyle Rudolph, he's six foot. Rudolph six foot six. He is. He has two hands on Rudolph. The majority of that pass route, and Rudolph, you know, he's still grabbing on. Rudolph does get a does get a forearm there. It didn't. It wasn't a full-on shove though is the arm extended yes but not to the point where it's so egregious that you would call it even in an in like in an instant replay and and i knew exactly what was going to happen when that play when that play happened and they're like okay rudolph's out left he split out wide left alone with this cornerbacks like you know exactly where the ball is going to go it has to go to Rudolph. He's got the biggest hands, arguably the best hands on the team, and the guy's half a foot shorter than he is. But since we're on Rudolph here, it seems like every you know, we had to listen to you know, you know, Zimmer was a coach uh, under Bill Parcells, and then that's gone away. And Adam Thielen with his five hundred dollars scholarship at Mankato. Yes. And all of these little things that we've had to listen to for a couple of years, then they <laughs> finally go away. I, th- I think I know and where you're going with Rudolph now. Every time I have to listen to Kyle Rudolph and how big his hands are and how great he is and oh boy, you want to get the tight end involved in the game. And Kyle Rudolph is this great and he's this and he's that. He's a fine player. He's been around for a long time. He's good. He, I don't understand this Kyle Rudolph greatness. I mean, he's he's a fine tight end. I, I, I just he's never he's never had a great. He had one year, 2016. He had 840 yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, he's he's played what nine years? He's played nine seasons stacking. Mm-hmm. How many times has he had 500 yards? Uh, maybe four. Nine seasons. Maybe. Three. Three, okay. One of them was 532. One was 634 last year. His great year was 2016. He averaged uh, 10 yards a catch, 840 yards. He had 83 catches. I, I don't understand this. <laughs> He's a guy over his career that has averaged, what, maybe 50 catches a year? What are we talking, three catches a game for, like, what, 30 yards? Like, I, don't, I mean, you know, he probably gets you five, six touchdowns a year. He's good and everything. What, he made the Pro Bowl two years. He won the MVP that one year. Yeah. Like, he's good. He's fine. I feel like he's easily replaceable whenever that happens. It's like, I don't understand. You swear to God, he was Tony Gonzalez or Rick <laughs> or Antonio Gates. Like, he's good. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's ever been a top five tight end, but Jesus Christ, every game I got to hear about Kyle Rudolph in his hands and this and that. He's a fine tight end. He's not fucking a 
anywhere near this. He averages three catches and 30 yards a game for Christ's sake. See, I, I don't know where this came from. I, I thought you were going to go with uh, what we've been hearing about. Oh, you know, Rudolph only had seven catches through the first five games of the season or six games and oh, wasn't involved. And now the second half of the season, he's the Stefanski and the Vikings have gotten him more involved. And look at Rudolph making these catches and stuff. Like he's, Rudolph was such a great blocker. You know, kudos to him for you know, buying in and, you know, becoming this great blocking tight end. And now look at it, you know, him getting involved. Like that's all we've heard this season is, or at least the second half of the season. I love Rudolph. Um, the fact that besides the fact that he has cement in his feet, whenever he runs, he had a, a critical first down early in the game on a third down pass. It was short of the line of scrimmage. He made a move. He got a first down. He was big in this game. Of course, he has the game-winning touchdown catch. Thielen with a remarkable catch in what is I think it was the third quarter when Cousins got rid of the ball just as he just before he got leveled. Thielen makes a big catch inside the twenty. There, I believe that's the one that set up the, the Cook's second touchdown of the game. And then, of course, the pass in overtime to Thielen. Like dropping it right in the breadbasket, or as I heard Tony Kornheiser say on part in the interruption on Monday, right down the chimney. Uh, I mean, this was an absolute dime, a thing of beauty. And I, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, not that Kirk did it, but it's just an overall, like, oh my gosh, the Vikings have beaten the New Orleans Saints. I still can't really believe it. I'm just going on this magnificent magical run that they are on this year and whenever it ends it ends you know whether it be this week against San Francisco which I actually thought going into the playoffs that the Vikings would match up better with San Francisco than they do New Orleans um I'm starting I could see the offense just playing a complete egg I could I could I could see the Vikings offense just playing like they did against the Bears and the Packers that's what I see I don't see that happening, but I could see them getting shut down by this 49ers defense that is getting D Ford back, Quan Alexander. Those are two critical pieces to their defense, so they are getting healthy at just the right time. That Vikings offensive line played the best game of the all they have all season long against the Saints and that defense, that defensive line, uh, just fantastic. But and we could go on and on and on about this Viking Saints game and stuff. It was just, I mean, the the as good as the defense played throughout the entirety of the game. In the fourth quarter, when it was twenty to ten, you saw Drew Brees and the Saints starting to pick it up. It's like, oh crap, here we go. And then the Vikings are playing back a little bit, you know, like almost prevent defense there at the end, uh, just allowing the Saints to move down the field and and get a field goal. It's like, why are we doing this here? What's prevent do? It only prevents you from winning. Now, on the Saints' side, they this was as bad of a game play calling for them as I've ever seen. Mismanagement in timeouts, used or not used, especially at the end of the first half. The play calling, again, why isn't Taysom Hill, who's destroying the Vikings, not out there on the field more? But, you know, at the end of the first half, they get this great kickoff return. And then they do a pass to Kamara, and he doesn't. He chooses not to go out of bounds. 
They get a pass, to, or maybe it was just to Michael Thomas. I think that was the Michael Thomas one. And they just run up there, and then they get an illegal procedure. It just they and they choose instead of uh, to take a timeout there because there was 21 seconds left. They choose the 10 second runoff, which was dumb. And then they didn't even get a timeout there. It, luckily, Will Lutz missed the field goal, and that proved to be critical there. But like, and that's why I say you know the officiating for Saints fans to get upset about the pass interference, you should be more upset with the fact as to how poorly Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara played and how bad Sean Payton misma- mismanaged the the time, the, the clock and his timeouts. It was just, it, it was incredible just how stupid they were. Looking back at all of their losses recently, that's nice. I mean, they were very fortunate to win the one Super Bowl that they did. Yes. Where Vikings have five turnovers in that game, five fumbles, interception. Yep, Peterson inside the five. Yeah, from that Colts game. So, and then they're very fortunate to to have won that one. Uh, It's interesting how, I guess going back to Cousins here, and he's getting a lot of credit for, because the team won the game. And he got the big throw at the end there, which was, Greatly appreciate. I'll give him all the credit in the world for that last drive because that's a drive where you go down to score a touchdown and you win the game. That's mm-hmm. what happened. And third down, he was very good on third down. That was a huge difference. Saints were very good. Vikings were very good on third down. Um, but go, going into the going into overtime, Cousins was 15 of 26 for 179 yards. Mm-hmm. Like if I if I would have told you okay end of regulation he's going to have 179 yards, no touchdowns, no picks, he's going to two sacks, he's going to be 15 of 26. But you're going to look at that and say, well, they they didn't win that game because you, you need more from him than that. Yep. And this this second half was shit. This offense in the second half they could have won this game so many times by just getting a field goal. They didn't get across midfield. This entire second half, except for that one touchdown. Mm-hmm. And the one touchdown, and the four other drives they had, they had 21 yards on 18 plays. Yep. That is just atrocious. Yes. And so that's kind of being glossed over here because they ended up winning it mm-hmm. in the end. That really does not bode well, I don't think, for this week because this offense cannot do that again. Because, goddamn, unless yep. this defense is going to play like this again. The quarterback's going to have to be better. He yep. was good when it mattered on third down, and then he had the throws at the end. Mm-hmm. The two, the two throws. But goddamn, this, during regulation, it was, it was not great. And it's just interesting how things are changing for him because they won the game, and but if you look at his stats, they weren't very good, I don't think, at all. But if... I mean, if you listen to him, he said that it's not just about me. It's not a win for me. It's a win for this team. It takes 11 guys. So he's not been the one that's been touting this, I have to do this and stuff. He knows it's a team game. Uh, he's gotta, but if they want to win next week, I mean, yes. yeah, he's got, unless we expect this. I mean, we played San Francisco last year at the beginning of the year, and we, it was 24-16, that, that opening game. Mm-hmm. And they're a little different now. And, oh, that was Kirk Cousins' first game. Yep. Yep. And I think so, like he, he needs to do better though. He I mean, Vikings again should have lost this game. If the kicker makes a kick at the end of the half, this game's done with. 
Delvin Cooks. I mean, all the breaks for once, the breaks went the Vikings' way. Mm-hmm. The turnovers, that didn't happen. Yep. Delvin Cook didn't. I mean, that, that call right there, that's, that's the ball game right there. Same yep. score that, they win. Yep. Vikings aren't going to go down. They're not going to drive down. They're not going to score. Yep. And the offense just wasn't doing that at the moment. So if that doesn't happen, but it's unfortunate that it happened in a wild card playoff game and didn't happen in a much more important game. Yep. Like there's games I remember. This was a good win, but I, I don't think I'll remember this game as fondly as I will maybe beat the Packers 15 years ago. That was a great. Yep. That was a lot of fun. Well, I think we re- we remember that game more for the Randy Moss uh, pants uh, moon celebration. I just remember they got up to a big start. It was like Mo Williams had like a big fifty-yard run early mm-hmm. on or something like that. Left sideline, right? If I recall. Yeah, they yeah they just they beat the Packers, and that was an eight and eight team, and that wasn't a great Viking team, but they beat Green Bay pretty good. Yep, beating Dallas ten years ago was a whole hell of a lot of fun. Thirty-four so to three. Like, it was a good win, very surprising, probably more surprising than any of those wins, but this one will hold a special place for me anyways. There's, there's other games that I liked more than this one that they've won in the past. Yeah. Uh, the Mi- Minneapolis Miracle right up, up there, I mean, yeah, that's the number one. Um, you know, I, I look at this 49ers game coming up, and... I'm not going to say that the Vikings win. I think they have they certainly have a shot if the the defense can play as well as they did this week. I think what gives me a little faith and a little more hope and confidence is the fact that, you know, now that Kirk Cousins has won that game. That pressure is lifted off of him at least for now. And Jimmy Garoppolo, this is going to be his first playoff game. So there's going to be more pressure on him. Maybe the Vikings can throw some different looks at him, get that pressure on him, and Garoppolo maybe will make some poor decisions, some poor plays. Uh, you know, the offense presents different challenges. Now, Debo Samuel, the 49ers wide receiver, rookie wide receiver from South Carolina, has been on an absolute tear the second half of the season. He's great. They got Emmanuel Sanders in a trade with the Broncos during the season. He's very good. Uh, the running backs are outstanding. Raheem Mostert is is the one that's getting the majority of the looks right now. And George Kittle is the, the best tight end in football right now. No offense to Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey, but it's George Kittle. It's not even close. And I'll be curious to see what the Vikings have in, in store uh, for their game plan in terms of stopping Kittle. And also Kyle Juszczyk, the... The, the fullback who is the most utilized fullback in, you know even more so than CJ Ham. I mean he's fantastic and what he does. So that will be I will be very curious to see what the Vikings defense can do. Sendejo was the last player off the field Sunday because he was exhausted from playing a position that he never has played before or hasn't played in a very long time. He plays safety. They asked him to play corner. I imagine they'll have him do that. Again, I'll be curious to see what Barr and Kendricks will do. Uh, if they're going to be the ones shadowing Kendrick or uh, Kittle, or if they will, uh, you know, put like Sendejo on a bigger, you know, tougher uh, safety who can put a hit on. I will be curious to see what the offensive line can do against San Francisco's defensive line. But and I think that's where this game is going to be won. How will the Vikings offensive line fare against the 49ers front four, the front seven? If they 
if they can handle themselves and just keep them up, I think the Vikings got a very good chance of winning. I'm going to enjoy the game. I'm going to hope like hell that they win. And then I don't know who I want uh, to face in the NFC Championship game. I think it would be easier to go you to know, Green Bay, but... I think it would be. I want to play Seattle. I saw the Green Bay game. I don't want to do the big hit. That was zero fun. We played them <laughs> twice. We can't score against them. Yep. We scored a shit ton of points against Seattle. And they've gotten worse we since then. Score. We can't score against Green Bay. We okay. can't. All right. I haven't. So I'm fine with playing Seattle too. I just, I fear. I fear uh, you know CenturyLink Field in that stadium more than I do Lambeau. But then again. You know, after winning in the Superdome, CenturyLink isn't going to be anything uh, that the Vikings can't overcome. So it's going to be a great game. I hope like hell that the Vikings win. I'm going to pray like crazy. Uh, going to take a shower 20 minutes before the game, just like I did on Sunday. Uh, shower and shave. That's what you got to do. Uh, maybe the other S in there as well. But at the end of the day, that's what I'm going to. I, I we're just going to watch this game on Saturday, 3:35 p.m. Central Time on NBC. We're going to enjoy it because I mean it. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, let's see. I think it's on. I think it's on NBC. So I think it's going to be Chris Collinsworth, Al Michaels, and Michelle Tafoya will be uh, on the sideline reporting because that's. Uh, that's their normal NBC crew, I believe, right? <laughs> Mike Tirico and Doug Flutie? Nope, nope. Uh, and, yeah, Kurt Warner. Tom Hammond? No. Tom Hammond? No, Hammond. It, it's not going to be, uh, was it uh, Jim Hicks? No. No. Yeah. Is it Jim Hicks? No. I'm Dan Hicks. Dan Hicks, thank you. I knew Jim didn't sound right. There, how could I forget What's Dan that? Hicks from the Golf Channel? I mean, no, it won't be those guys. It will be... I mean, why Why would that guy from The Athletic even tweet that out? Surely... They never asked me, so I don't know. Uh, I don't... By the way, Seattle, Seattle's 4-4 four four home this year. Yes. They yep. lost to Arizona. Yep. They beat the Bengals in week one by one. Yes, it was not a good, it was not a good win by... Uh, that, Seattle's going to be a close game. Yep. Seattle's going to be a close game. Yep. Uh, for me, I have a basketball game that day and a field time at 5.30. So, uh, I think I can get... I, I know I can get the first half in. Mm-hmm. First half in. Go to the Mitchell. Go to this game. Kind of keep tabs on it. Maybe it'll be decided by halftime. Who knows? But, yeah, I they get, get the first game, the Saturday game. I don't remember them ever playing the first game on Division Week weekend. The, I don't remember them ever. The schedule, the schedule this year is much different than what I've seen in years past. Later uh, games on Sunday to get those ratings up on sure. Yeah, because they've never done they've never done the because AFC Championship game or the the championship games are you know at least the last few years have always been. 3.05 p.m. Eastern, 2.05 p.m. Central Time, you know, for the first game. And then 5.40 Central Time, 6.40 Eastern for the second game. And that's what they're doing for Sunday's divisional games. But I I don't recall seeing the one seeds both playing on Saturday and the two seeds on Sunday. Now, in 
in all honesty, it makes a lot of sense because it it gives the one seeds a little more preparation time. They are the one seed for a reason. They get home field. You should maybe get that extra day over the two seed. But it, just very curious that because I don't recall that happening before. But you're right. The Vikings playing Saturday at three thirty is something that we have not seen. I think I I think the Vikings are now eight and eleven in the playoffs when I've seen them. Oh, you'd be keeping tabs at it. Which is better, which is better than what I thought. Because I looked it up right before overtime. I'm like, what? What's the license record? Boy, and it was 7 and 11. No, it's 8 and 11. First game I remember, I remember it was the Dallas playoff game. They went 96. Yeah. It was the first playoff game I remember them in. And that was not a competitive game. And, uh, you know, again, like I think I said a few weeks ago, they've never won two playoff games in a row. They've done it once in 43 years. Going back to their last Super Bowl year, it was, what, 1987, when they made the run, they beat the Saints and they beat the 49ers. Yep, and then lost to Washington and in the NFC Championship game. And the only time, and I was born the very next day, so here I am. Ah. <laughs> and and uh, that championship game would be on January 19th next week, so the day after my birthday again. So mm-hmm. it's right around, right around that time, so... It's been once in 43 seasons that they won two playoff games. So I, I don't think it's going to happen. But uh, And the Vikings, they've never been that that team like the Giants or the Packers, like the Ravens, like that five or six team, that wild card team that defies logic, that makes a run mm-hmm. out of nowhere. And we, we've never had that. We've always been like the one seed, we've been one of the favorites when we've been good. Mm-hmm. When we win a game the next one, so I think it's the defense is going to have to do it again. Yep. I think. Yep. But they have the Calvin weapon. Cook, Calvin Cook's great. Yep. Quarterback just can't turn the ball over. He didn't. That was good. He took two sacks. That was fine. Well, and he just cannot. He can't turn the ball over. We have right. to play. Can't Safe. turn it over. Probably a couple of turnovers ourselves. Safe, and, sound football, and no more handoffs to the running to the wide receivers. If if it's working with Cook and Madison, keep doing it. Leave alone. Lee, yeah. Don't. When's DJ Ham gonna get his catch slash handoff? Uh, second quarter. It was going. It was going pretty late in the game. Third quarter, something like that. Fourth quarter before he finally got it. Mm-hmm. God damn! They're going CJ Ham out of this. Well, and, so there was there was one play. I mean, okay. Whenever they split CJ Ham out, you know, wide left or wide right, that's where the ball is going to go. That's where they're going to run the play towards. You could, I, I can, I'm a, like, I'm just an armchair quarterback, but I can see it happening. They, they did it the one time when they threw the pass to to Cook and CJ Ham's down there, a downfield block, and and they throw it on his side. It's that little swing pass, and Cook gained like 20-some yards. Well, then they try another one where they pitch it to Cook, and C.J. Ham's out there. And, like, you could see it coming, and the play blew up because wherever C.J. Ham is split out, that's where they're going with the football. Not to him, but to his side. you got to be got to be better than that. Stop with the pitches. But, you know, Holland, that receiver Holland, they almost made that one great catch. Yes, yes. Do you know how many plays he played in that game? Uh, probably one. Was that the one? 
one play play the game. Yep. And that was a near circus catch. But I, I think that's where I will disagree with you on Cousins. And you said that he didn't have a great game, you know, like 15 and 26, 179 yards in the fourth quarter. But he didn't make the critical mistake. Not nece- He wasn't necessarily a game manager because they were, they were going – but they were going with the ground game. I, I, like the, I don't think people would be saying that if they lose this game. I think it would be completely different because they would look at those stats. They wouldn't have the overtime stats yeah. to, to kind of pad the deal because I think everybody's clouded with, well, the, the last two throws were great and won the game. Well, before that, again, 15 to 26, 179. Because if, if they lose this game by a field goal, people would look at Cousins and see he just couldn't do it. He, he, he couldn't. Big game, he, he, he didn't play big again. But the play calling would be different. The play calling would have been different, though, because they, you know, after the Hunter forces that fumble and they recover it. They go down and they, and they get a touchdown there instead of a field goal. Or if yeah. they make a field goal at the end of the first half, and that's yeah. a three point difference there. And we're. And we're tied with the Saints. But the, the but the, the game the, the 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 play calling is different. Then the Vikings are trying to run the ball out. So and Cousins made that critical throw to Thielen on third down to extend that drive there, and they were able to run a couple more plays. And that's when the whole pitch thing happened. Like, why would you do that? Stop with the sweeps. It's terrible. Stop. But I think I wasn't I wasn't certain when they got the ball down to the two. I'm like, all right, they should win this. They got to well, third down, and you're like, oh. It's the Vikings. Why the fuck are they going to win this? No, they can't. The ball's at the two. How can they fuck this up? <laughs> they run it. They don't get in. They run it again. They don't get in. It's third down. It's a, like, oh, it's they're going to get a fucking field goal. Uh, yes. And they're going to lose this game. Yep. And then a fucking miracle happens, and they win a game for once. Mm. Like, it's so difficult. It is so difficult for this team to win. At no point in this game did I think they were going to win. 20 to 10, I'm like, oh, this is setting up very nicely. I hate 10 point leads in the fourth quarter. Classic Saints Vikings finish, a field yep. goal here or there. By the way, the kicker, Dan Bailey, another A. plus. He's been great all year. Oh, he's missed two field goals. Yep. He's been, he's been amazing. Nobody talks about it anymore because he's not missed any kicks, but he's been, he's been exceptional. Yep, and wouldn't Dallas like to have him right now with their kicker? Oh, wait, Brett Maher is gone. However, I will blame Dan Bailey on this. Kick the freaking ball out of the end zone. Don't set it up so Tommy Lee Lewis or whoever the hell that was back there for the Saints can you know run and get past midfield like he did at the end of the first half. Like The Vikings are very lucky that Will Lutz missed that field goal, and it wouldn't have happened if Bailey would have just kicked it out of the end zone. But... That is very ticky-tack on my part. Wild Card Weekend was awesome there, in there general. Were, one more Viking thing. Yes. There were yep. a couple of stats. There were two stats that were, that were like, very telling of what was going to happen mm-hmm. in the game. I don't know if you saw these. Uh, Cousins in his career is 0 for 26 when his pass rating is under 85. And late in that game, it was at 80. It ended up like at 95, I think. 95.4, I think, yeah. But I think at the end of the game, it was like 80 or 82. It was under that deal. So that was cutting it close. And uh, the Saints, 
they've won 39 straight home games when they give up fewer than 25 points. <laughs> Vikings were at 20. Yep. If they score 23, they probably don't win. They score 26, which is more than 25, they won. So did, those things were there. So did you see the, to look out for it. I think he needs to do better than 15 to 26 for yep. 179. And his passer rating needs to be over 85 because he's never won when it's been under 85. So Yep. Well, if, if we Cook go. runs for 150 yards and two touchdowns, Cousins could be 15 to 26 for 179 yards. Did you see the, the stat, though, after the game? That teams, the last three teams who have lost a fumble on their first possession have won the Super Bowl. I don't think that's going to happen for the Vikings. Well, what, what are the other teams? Uh, the uh, 2017 Eagles. Their first playoff possession, they lose the fumble? Yes. Yep. Wow. Uh, the let's, let's, let's fumble the ball again next week just to make sure. No, 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 no. Uh, I believe the the Ravens were on there, and then the. Uh, let me see if I could find this other stat the, here. I think it was uh, the Seahawks too that also had that. The road teams have been very successful. I think the last five years, Wild Card Weekend. Yep. I think the road team won more than the home team. But then the second round happens. I think they only won like three times last four years or so. So, yep. Here, 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 here's the stat. The, Viking, uh, the last three teams to lose a fumble on the opening drive of a playoff game went on to win the Super Bowl. 2017 Eagles, 2013 Seahawks, 2012 Ravens. So, there's that. That's, an That's what I wouldn't even thought of. Yeah, right? Let, let, okay, let's say let's say they win it. Okay, let's have some fun before this thing ends. Okay, let's say this is the year it finally happens. Yep. We don't know how it's going to happen, but let's say would, would it be a disappointment that this is the year? I think it was a good year. They were like ten and four, and then they finished ten and six, and they're the sixth seed. And I'm sure we won't care. If they ever win it, hell no, we won't care. I don't care if they go seven nine seven and nine and are like the the four seed. It's like the NFC East this year, and they're terrible. And they win, they go on to win the Super Bowl. I sure as hell won't care. It'll be a Super Bowl victory. Who cares? I, 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 I think I said last week or a couple of weeks ago, like it, you know, it'll be good if they ever do it, but it won't be as good as if they would have won those previous times where they should have. Like those were the years. It was like, yes, this is our year. We should win it this year. If they ever win, that'd be nice. But maybe we'll have another another great year where they do. And then, right. I mean, next year is the year, Stack. Next year is the year. Yep. Every eleven years. Next th- year's the year. So. By the way, uh, Vikings play at New Orleans next year. I will guarantee you right now that that game is a three twenty five game or a Sunday night game. But I'm betting on three twenty five. I was looking. I was looking at Baltimore. I was looking at. I think San Francisco for what their openers would be, I think. Yep. Um, if it's the Packers, it's got to be the Vikings. There's really no other team there. Um, I mean, Baltimore's got Kansas City, so that would make a lot of sense. And um, the Vikings, they really don't have anybody. It's got to be probably Green Bay. They have Dallas, and they've got, like, the Falcons and the Jaguars. But for the Vikings, if they were to do it, it's, you know, got to be the Packers. 
maybe Dallas, but probably the Packers. I, I, I always like to look at the yeah, Thursday yep. night game. In the last couple of years, they've just completely gone off the rails with whatever. I mean, it should have been well, they did Patriots pa- they, Yes, yep, they did Steelers or whatever it ended up being. Or the Chiefs or whoever it was. Yeah, Patriots, Chiefs, I think. Um, uh, this year, nobody gives a shit about the Bears and the Packers. So if they the, just don't. If, that, if, that's the Kyle Rudolph of rivalries. <laughs> they always draw the Packers and the Bears, oldest rivalry since the Civil War. Like, I don't care. Yeah. They're never any good at the same time. The Bears are good once every eight years, and that was last year was their one good year. Mm-hmm. And the Packers just trounce them most of the time. Like, Growing up, that was never a rivalry. Right. The Bears were terrible. And it was like 2002, the Bears were good for the first time in my life. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, Bears and Packers are rivals. And here I am as a 12-year-old saying, what? Yeah. It's, Bears and Packers are rivals? Fuck that. The Vikings and Packers, that, that's the rivalry. Yeah. I think I think if you, if you were to ask Packers fans, they would say that if they were true to themselves, I think they would say that the Vikings are far more of a rival than the Bears are, but they're still like the two teams that are the oldest in the league. So, you know, they, they come and in. And the Vikings Bears, I really don't give a shit about that game because we always lose in Chicago, and right. I hate that game. That's probably the least, my least looking forward to game every year is at Chicago because I know it's going to be a shit game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, bad, bad stuff all around. So we'll see what happens there, but good luck to the Vikings. Uh, just can't wait. Uh, very, very excited there. But wild card weekend was great in general. And if you want another stat that doesn't bode well for the Vikings this week, last year I believe the wild card teams went four and zero in the in the wild card round, and then they went or yeah, either that or three and one. They went zero and four the next week in the divisional playoffs, losing by an average of eleven point three points. Per game. So that's not great. So we'll look to buck that trend right away uh, during the divisional playoffs this week. Again, 3.35 p.m. Central I mean, Time on NBC. Chris Collinsworth, Al Michaels. Uh, well, I should uh, say Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, and Michelle Tafoya. Because God forbid you don't know who the Sunday night crew is. Yeah, I've only been doing it for like 10 years now, so I don't know. I think Viking Saints was the best game, and even I don't think that your game didn't do much for me. The worst game was the Seahawks-Eagles. Seahawks win 17-9. Carson Wentz gets injured uh, like the second or third drive of the game. He, he's running as they're supposed to do a screen. He starts running upfield, and he's going down. And Jadavion Clowney uh, gets him from behind, kind of dri- gets his helmet into his helmet and drives it into the ground. It was it was not a dirty play by any stretch. I didn't think it was dirty. Um, but then Dan Orlovsky from ESPN decides to run his mouth. Why does he have a job? Why does he have a Tim and Danny Cannell? Like, why are they employed? Why would you employ those two? I don't know. Based on what? So, it, it's funny because there's a lot of, uh, there's some ESPN on ESPN crime here. Because, so Dan Orlovsky tweets out, he, he apparently was at this game. And no, no, but 40-year-old Josh McConnell. This was the first time in NFL history that three quarterbacks aged 40, year, 40 years or older is uh, yeah. you know, played in a played in the playoffs. 
So here, here we go. Okay, so Dan Orlowski tweets this out. For all the folks out there using this uh, Carson Wentz injury on a very questionable hit to his head as a time to rehash the Carson can't stay healthy argument, respectfully, you should be ashamed of yourself. Uh, what's funny is that Josina Anderson uh, of ESPN had replied, I think, to a tweet and said, mm-hmm. Or she, she was kind of in the, well, yeah, this is why... Uh, you know, this is a this is kind of a true adage. He can't stay healthy. To so to Dan Orlovsky, I would say, you know what? Yes, this uh, the head injury. This is a slightly different thing than you know the broken ribs that he had before. You know the torn ACL, um, all this stuff. But if you even go back to when he was uh, you know quarterback at NDSU, he missed the majority of the senior season because he had a broken wrist. And yes, a concussion like this sort of play isn't necessarily indicative of those other things, but he still doesn't take care of himself. He's got to play smarter. He doesn't. He can't stay healthy. He can't. I mean, this was the first playoff game he's played in. It's not like the Eagles have had any success in the playoffs because of Carson Wentz. They maybe have gotten to the playoffs because of his play during the regular season, but he can't stay healthy. And this is just another example of Carson Wentz not being able to stay healthy. He just doesn't make the right decision. Now, this is more of a fluke than the others, but it's still a it's still a, he still cannot finish the game. He cannot finish the season. This is just another prime example. I don't remember the other time he got hurt. Here he got hurt on a running play. Uh, yeah, against the, against the Rams. Yep. I remember he got hurt against the Rams on a running play at the goal line. Yep, that was the torn ACL. I assume the wrist or whatever or the ribs. May have been, I don't know, in the pocket, but he likes to scramble a little bit. I think it was, I think it was a back injury last year too. I mean, that's one of my favorite things that he plays all year, and then the playoffs come on, like third play gets hurt. Yeah, that's just lovely. That warms my heart. <laughs> I mean, he, he I didn't see any of this Philadelphia, Seattle. You didn't miss anything. DK Metcalf put on a show, but that was about it. I have no interest in that. So. Um, like these games were close. I don't think I would say they were good. Viking game was interesting. But I'd say the best of the bunch. They had the big comeback in the Houston game because Buffalo's the dog shit of a team with the dog shit of a quarterback. Well, I might defense have had something to do with that too. Okay. Defense is good. You got dumb shit throwing the ball to the fucking fullback fifty yards away. That's the recipe for success. And you got dumb shit in the booth saying, "God knows what." I saw a little bit of that game. And then whatever I saw of that Titans Patriots game, I, if that's what soccer's like, then soccer sucks. Because was there a no, nothing happened? It was fourteen thirteen, and a punt here, a punt there, and the game was done. Is the goddamn that? It, it was the, again. It was the Derrick Henry a, show. So Seahawks. These, yeah, these games were close. I wouldn't say they were fun to watch. That Patriots game wasn't fun. That Eagles game, sure as fuck, wasn't fun. No. Uh, Houston, at least Houston had some weird shit. Houston with the kickoff deal and uh, the did, stupid ass in the booth. Did you agree with that? How about Josh Allen doing a pitch back on like when he's running for you know for a first down close to midfield and he tries to pitch it back to his tight end or something who's five yards away from him? This at the end of the game. Did you see that? No, I heard about some stuff that happened. They like a fourth and twenty-five that they went for it. Yeah, that was so bad. I, you, and you, then you got you must have heard it from Boots. 
this Monday Night Football crew, I, I mean, it's something to be this bad just to get shit wrong by what uh, Booger McFarlane, he was like okay last year, I guess, doing the doing a little chair thing on the sideline. Yeah. But, god damn. That's because everyone was focused on how bad Witten was last year. He wasn't this bad. He no. wasn't because He's saying shit like there was like a play late, third down, he wants to run a draw and then take a knee and let the ball game there. Unless you're expected to pick up like 12 yards on a third and 10. So that didn't make any sense. And all that, he said, Josh Kellen showed a bunch of poise. And I read he threw about five passes that probably should have been intercepted. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what are you doing? What are you watching? Your words. What words do you use? Do you know what the words mean? Like, what are you? What are you talking about? What are you looking at? How do you say this shit and watch this game and come up with this? So that's bad. I'm sure he'll be back next year. But Jesus Christ! I hope not. Like, be better. Be. He's not good. And some people are defending. I'm saying, like, no, you can't get stuff like this wrong. Like, that's just bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not good. Um, I would like to apologize to the city of Buffalo and to, to Bill's Mafia. I, in the third quarter, like this game was in the books. It was very clear. You know, by the way, did you agree with, uh, with the officials overturning that touchdown call that Tony Carrente inexplicably gave the bills to start the third quarter? Like that you can happen every game. There's no kickoff returns anymore. The ball just bounces in the end zone and that's it. He gave himself yeah, up. Yeah, that's it. It was fine. He gave himself up. He put his hands out. He caught the ball. Touchback. Done. Let's not try to make it more than it was. Yes, it was a touchback. It wasn't a safety. It wasn't a touchdown. It was fine. So, I tweeted out, uh, to quote Seth Davis, Sharpie. Sharpie, shit. Because the, the the Bills were dominating this game. Deshaun Watson couldn't get anything going on. Or get anything going the Bills were in complete control. They're driving, and it's third down. And J.J. Watts sacks Josh Allen. And the Bills have to settle for a field goal. And I said right then and there to, I think, my was my mom in the room? Uh, by the way, congrats to my mom. She's going to finish fourth in the bull pick em. Uh You jinxed me, by the way, because I was in complete control. And now Marcus has a chance to beat me. This is, uh, this is not good. I blame Indiana. 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 They lost but like 30 some points on the Gophers. Yeah. Stones. Yes. Stones right there. Jesus. She did very good. She did very good. So congrats to her. Um, but if Indiana beats Tennessee, I win the bull pick em. Anyway. I mean, it was, a, it was a it was a 16 nothing game in the third quarter. So it's not like, it you know, it was a two score game. It's not like, it you know, it needed four touchdowns here. Was, right. But that that the the Houston crowd needed a spark, and J.J. Watt sacking Josh Allen was that spark. Uh, and I even said I was like, okay, Houston's gonna go on a roll here now. I said it to I said it, I think to Kelsey. I think I said it to my mom, um, to my stepdad. They were in the room. I said this is this is going to happen now. And sure enough, what does Deshaun Watson do? He scores, you know, drives the Texans down the field, scores a touchdown. They get the two-point conversion. It's 16-8. Bills can't do anything. Have to punt it away. Texans get a field goal at 16-11. Like, you could just tell the momentum was swinging heavily in their favor. 
Uh, they have that lead, it, and then you know, dumb decisions. There somehow the Bills tie it, but Texans end up winning it. But I thought that the J, what swung the momentum in that game was the JJ Watt sack. Because that just ignited the crowd. It ignited the team. Because he brings that energy. And just whatever it is. He's got it for the Texans. So that was the big play in that game. The Texans ultimately win in overtime 22-19. Because Deshaun Watson. Houdini's two uh, Bills defensive linemen. And then throws it to his running back. Open in the flat on the sideline. He runs 40 yards. Gets it to the 10. Texans kick a field goal. They win 22-19. So... That's a plus one of those plays that we're going to see forever. That's yep. like his signature play now. Yes. Even more so, and number two would be when he gets kicked in the eye by the Oakland Raider defensive lineman. Cleveland wouldn't beat Alabama in the last second. Yes. But that's kind of one of those, one of those plays. And, um, I, I mean, I everybody thinks, you know, I guess what Seattle Green Bay would be the only game that's kind of a toss up. Everyone else thinks it's going to be the home team's winning. Yes. Yep. Um. Yeah, the Ravens are going to beat the Titans. Titans. I mean, Derrick Henry, 182 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. He is a beast of a man. He's like the only Alabama running back who's worth a damn. Josh Jacobs might be doing something. Uh, Mark okay, Ingram, Mark Ingram's Mark Ingram's fine. He's no Derrick Henry though. Derrick Henry is the best of the Alabama bunch. Um, and he was a guy that his first couple of years weren't great at all. Right. And the and Titans would... He figured he'd just add him to the scrap heap of jobs. Titans would and be... Yeah, this was great. Titans would be stupid not to re-sign him. They have to re-sign him in the offseason. Uh, they have to re-sign Ryan Tannehill. And I don't think, from what I remember, Tannehill's numbers weren't great in this game. They weren't, but it was weather related, and again, it's it's kind of like the well, cousins. Yeah, 70, yeah, yeah, he was eight of eight of fifteen for seventy-two yards. It is amazing. You look at this game, and you look at the game. What was it, two thousand eight, when Baltimore beat New England? Mm-hmm. Uh, wild card week, and I think Joe Flacco literally had what he had like twenty-four yards or something, twenty-two yards. But again, it's, it's the formula that they used. If you don't, it's not that their quarterback didn't it, like they didn't think that Ryan Tannehill could lead them. You know, you know, if they needed it, they couldn't. He couldn't drive them down the field. But in a in a game where it's you know it's wet because it's raining and stuff, and when Derrick Henry's doing what Derrick Henry's doing to that Patriots defense, you don't need to throw it that much. You really don't. Uh, the Patriots get stopped on a goal line, first and goal at the one. They 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 can't score. It's uh, very humorous there, and we might have seen the end of the Patriots dynasty. Uh, we can get into that. that. Offense, like that Saints offense, that like New England never seemed right all year long. It seemed like I mean they just weren't as sharp, as right. especially offense was yep. not there. Gronkowski wasn't there, so it's probably a reason why. Yep. So I mean, well, I mean, the whole off season will be dominated by. Whether or not Brady comes back. Do you think Brady care. comes back? I don't think he will. I guess I want to see Teddy Bridgewater in New England. I guess that's what oh. I would like to see. Okay. Do you think Drew Brees will be back in New Orleans? Yeah. He ain't going anywhere. Yeah. He was good up until that last game. Like, if you're, like, if you're Brady, why? Why leave? Unless you want to prove something what, 43 years old now. You want to prove you can go somewhere. You want to go to the Chargers and do something. 
or anywhere else. Like, where else would you go? The Chargers What's better than what you got. The char. I mean, the Chargers. There, there's, there's no spot that's open or that's reasonable. It's better than what he's got. Right. I have no idea why he would go. I can understand why the Patriots would want to move on, but they don't have a guy right now. They would have had so, Jimmy Garoppolo if Bill Belichick had had his way. But fuck, when was that? So when what? Three years ago now? Yeah. Was this his third year? Yeah. Yep. Second year. Third year. I mean, Jesus Christ, it'd still be there. So, I mean, they ain't playing for it at the right time, but it can still happen. This guy's going to play for another seven years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what next year holds. I mean, he'll be back, but... So are you predicting all four teams win in the divisional round? Uh, Seattle Green Bay. Uh, it's going to be close because it has to be. I don't I don't know. Well, we'll hope. You're for sure taking the Chiefs and the Ravens. Uh, reluctantly, we'll probably, we'll probably both take the 49ers and hope like hell we're wrong. Don't. Put it, you know, if you want to put a large sum of money and hope that you get it wrong again, I'd be okay with that. God, you didn't, it you didn't buy any shirts at the final four, so you have some money saved. I, I used oh, it all on a, clothing. I bought a frozen. I bought a. I bought oh, a frozen four hat and a Super Bowl fifty two hat. You did, you did. I forgot about that. For five bucks each. <laughs> uh, uh, so let's go Seattle. All right. Very good. Who are you taking? Who are you taking into the national championship game Monday night? Clemson or LSU? Are you going to take the Tigers or the Tigers? Oh, uh, Tigers are going to win. I think they're better. I think LSU is going to win. How much are you looking yeah, forward to this game? It's a pretty nice, pretty good game. I mean, those the Alabama Clemson. Um, the, the one great one that they played, that's, that's just an all-timer where Clemson beats them. That's just one of the great games of the last many years. And then when Clemson beat the shit out of them last year, that was great for a different reason. Mm-hmm. We, we, haven't, we haven't seen Alabama get throttled like that. And so here we are again. And with the, the winning streaks, I mean, it, it, felt, it feels different with this winning streak. It felt like like Miami, I think they had a big winning streak, and maybe USC had a winning streak of some note. It felt like those were big deals. It feels like this Clemson, unless I'm not paying attention, it feels like this Clemson winning streak barely gets mentioned, and it's almost a 30 game. Mm-hmm. And if they win this game, it's probably going to be at 40 games next year. Yeah, I mean this. If they win this game, yeah, I mean, shit, they could be around, you know, forty some wins in a row, and we've not seen that. Right. But that quarterback, I mean, Jesus Christ, Trevor Joe Burrow. I mean, that's, Joe Burrow. Yeah, that's incredible. I don't think Clemson should be Ohio State, obviously, for one part a week ago, but mm-hmm. I think LSU beats them and maybe puts it to them pretty good by a couple of touchdowns. Cojo gets to get the deal. Just a great, great team, great offense. I agree with you. I think LSU wins. Um, I'm just hoping for a good Not game. Sure why the Eagles played last night? I don't know. Yeah, Marcus. Marcus said there was some convention there, which I don't know. There was some 
Yeah, for one thing, I could find was some comic convention, and I can't believe that was the reason why, or they couldn't have had their, you know, extra festivities or fan fest somewhere else, but boy. Because I looked at... Yeah, that, that bowl game last, I didn't watch that at all. I'm like, yeah, it'd be cool to have a bowl game once we get past the, uh, the first run of the NFL playoffs. Bowl games can be tough. Yep, I, I, um... I looked at how late it goes, you know, in future years. The latest I see the national championship is January 10th. And I think that might be next year and when it's in Indianapolis. So I think next year's back to normal. I, I don't know what it is this year. If, it's, if it is uh, something they couldn't get the date for something. But, yeah, two weeks between games, that's no fun. Nope. But... I do like I do like the way the bowls were scheduled though this year. I like the stretching out bowl season. It was good. Um, I was very also very surprised that the Gophers did what they did to my Auburn team. Mm-hmm. And good for them. And the quarterback, the quarterback should probably get drafted when he comes out after next year. You would think. Mm-hmm. Tanner Morgan's good. Very good. Everybody's back except what the one receiver. Tyler Johnson's going to be a, a good find for an NFL team. I bet he's a third round pick. He's a day two pick. So, like they should be maybe the favorite to win the West. I mean, that's the next step is to 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 get the Big Ten title game. And Penn State was a good win. They lost to Iowa and Wisconsin, but they beat Penn State, and then they beat Auburn. Those are the two best wins they've had in our lifetimes mm-hmm. by far. Yep. So good. What eleven and two? Yep. That's probably finish uh, top ten. I think. I would. I would think so. I. That's what I hope. Uh, and yeah, it's only the beginning of good things for the Gophers. And uh, I'll probably pick them to go something like eleven and one next year, ten and two. Uh, I'll do so. The schedule's not tough. They got Iowa, what, week four or so? Their non-conference schedule's joke. Yep. Uh, they don't play any, I think they play Michigan as their one tough team on the other side. So, again, you, I think, you can just beat Iowa or Wisconsin, beat one of them. I think you've, you've got it, uh, you got it made. I think they play at, at, at Michigan State. Um, uh, let, let, me, uh, let me get this pulled up here. Uh, da, 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 da. Here's their 2020 schedule. Get out of here, ad. No one likes you. Up oh, uh, here's yep. They're they're at Maryland. They're at Wisconsin. They are home. They host Michigan at Illinois at Michigan State. Uh, Purdue and Northwestern at home, and then at Nebraska. So yeah, the big ones, uh, the cross uh, games are the two Michigan schools this year, and and they Maryland. I mean, if you can beat Ellis, or if you can beat Auburn and Penn State, I mean, Michigan State, it's been a couple of years since they've been in the mix. Yeah. I'll probably pick them to go 11-1 next year. But, anyway. Um, so, LSU, you like there. Hopefully that's a good national championship game we could talk about. We'll recap that next week. Um, Twins signed a couple of pitchers on New Year's Day. Congrats to them. Homer Bailey and Rich Hill, what do you make of those signings? It's not great. This this offseason, this was a dud. This was the turd in the punch bowl. 
We had some big expectations. It didn't happen. So. You don't think home? I think Homer Bailey's at least decent. No, he should look at a stat. Oh, okay. Last year, last year we was average, which for him is really good. Mm-hmm. He's had two good years. He signed a big contract years ago with the Reds. He that if that's our that's our big signing for our pitching staff is Homer Bailey. Yeah, that's Maybe very true. They'll find something. I mean, our team Perez was good for about a month. Then he turned back to garbage. Maybe they can find something in Homer Bailey, but boy, he's been bad. He's been a below-average pitcher for basically his entire career. So this this does not this is if if we're going through the list of names and you say, hey, how about Homer Bailey? Like, right no, pass. I would rather not have them than have him. I'd rather him not be on the team. So he's got a chance to prove me wrong. Which is good, but he's hurt. And he's not going to be around until like July. So that's nice, and he's never healthy. So he's 40. He's really good when he's healthy, but he's never healthy. So, yeah, this offseason stacking for the for the baseball team sucked. And Josh Donaldson, that sounds like that's done with. So unless there's a trade coming, highly disappointing. you got a team that won 101 games. Yeah, this, we couldn't find one guy. Couldn't get one. They got uh, Tyler Clippard, bullpen guy, who I've been wanting for a few years now. We finally get him, as we usually do, when he's fucking 35 years old. <laughs> but, White Sox, made, I know White Sox probably won the offseason World Series. People like what they did. Mm-hmm. But, we couldn't find one goddamn guy. We couldn't find a single guy of note. And that, that just sucks. It just sucks. It does. It does. Um, welcome to being in Minnesota the, Sports the Vikings, the Vikings and Saints game years ago, that cemented in my brain, all right, this isn't ever going to happen. I would say this offseason should cement in twin Sands heads. We're never going to sign a guy, so don't get your goddamn hopes up. You better hope we, we draft a guy uh, like a Buxton or a Sano or a Barrios and he becomes a starter or a Hoagieland Santana or a Maurer or a Morno. And we get a star that way because we're not trading for one. We're not signing one for a hundred some million dollars. So unless it comes through the system, it ain't going to happen. So remember this: if we if we have a good year next year and we need to find some pitchers again, don't get your hopes up because it's not going to happen. Duly noted. Duly noted. Yes. Uh, do we have any time to talk uh, any college basketball, or do you want to save that for next oh, yeah. week? I was going to get into college basketball because I planned on winning that Saints bet, but now since I don't have any money to bet and I don't feel like putting any money, any more money in to bet, I'm disappointed in that because that money was earmarked for a lot of college basketball uh, things, mm-hmm. and now that's gone, so hopefully I can care here. Rutgers beat Penn State tonight, Boston College beat Virginia. Travis, he might fall out of the top Rut- 25 here. Rutgers, Maryland, Ohio State. Yes, and Maryland's good. I can't figure out Ohio State. Rutgers is going to be a, a tournament team this year. The Rutgers, what? Rutgers oh, is Penn going. State. Penn State's going to be in the tournament too. That's surprising. How many teams Wisconsin's getting in now? You got Penn State and Rutgers in. What is this? Yeah. So here's here's what I here's what I got in the Big Ten. By the way. Um, I really 
like uh, Miles Powell at Seton Hall. Did you, I watched some of this uh, game against Georgetown last week. Fantastic. Uh, Wisconsin beats Ohio State. I don't know how that happened. Uh, I didn't think Wisconsin was going to make it in, but they seem like they're going to now. Purdue's out. Purdue's not making it. Um, I am not sold on Iowa yet, but I suppose they could make it. I'd like to see Illinois in, but I don't think that will happen. So here's what I got from the Big Ten. Michigan State, they're in. Maryland, they're in. Michigan, they're in. Ohio State, they're in. Those are four right now. Um, I like... I think Indiana will make it in. I think Penn State will make it in. Did I mention that already? Maybe I did. Uh, no. Nope. Okay, so Penn State. Minnesota is, if if you talk to anyone, Daniel Oturu is very good. They have another, I think it's like Austin Carr or something. Very good one-two punch. And Minnesota has had... They, they are. I'm not saying they're making the tournament this year, but they have played the most difficult schedule in the country. If you look at like who they've lost to, very close games to very good teams. This is a much better Minnesota team than their record shows. Purdue's out. I don't care if they beat Virginia by 29 in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. They're out. When you score 37 points against Illinois, get the hell out of here. Minnesota lost to them in double overtime. So screw Purdue. Uh, you got seven, seven teams in that. Michigan... I got Michigan State. I got Rutgers. I got Maryland. I reluctantly am putting Wisconsin in. Penn State, Michigan, Iowa, Indiana, and Ohio State. I have nine teams in from the nine teams in, and Illinois is going to be right on the bubble. Right now, though, but like Rutgers has a chance. Now, Rutgers could certainly fall out, but I think right now they have a chance. I would say Iowa and Indiana are the teams that I feel, are the teams I don't feel the best about, uh, and Wisconsin as well. But um, certainly there's going to be some fluctuation. But the Big Ten is a is a uh, conference you need to pay attention to. I think there's a very good chance that North Carolina does not make the NCAA tournament this year. Yeah, they they were a Final Four pick for me, but injuries have decimated their season. So I do not like the AC. The ACC is not going to get that many teams in this year. ACC is very weak. I could see. I will say I will. I'll pick four teams to make it from the ACC. That could be. Hey, you got Duke, Florida State, Louisville, Virginia. And yep. Other than that, yeah. Notre Dame, Vitek. Yeah, we're stretching. Yep, uh, Notre Dame possibility. NC State's flirting on the bubble. I don't really like their schedule a whole lot. The Big East, this is where it's at, folks. Providence is gonna is making a huge run here now. DePaul, I think, is going to get in. You could see eight teams from the Big East. Like this, it, the Big East is fantastic. We have ten teams, for God's sakes. DePaul is 0-2 in conference play. That's not great. But um, I think DePaul will make a a bit of a charge here. Butler, Butler, 14-1. Butler, did you see Bracketology on Tuesday? No, are they a two seed? A one seed. Over who? I mean, Gonzaga, I think you know, Gonzaga will be a one seed. They may lose one game the rest of the way if that's. 
Who the fuck he put Butler over who? Duke is good. Kansas, Auburn's undefeated. Who are the one seeds? Gonzaga, Duke, Kansas, and Butler? Yep, here we go. We got Gonzaga as the one seed in the West. We got Butler as the one seed in the Midwest. Duke, one seed in the East. And Kansas, a one seed in the South. The two seeds, Baylor, uh, Auburn. Auburn, yep, they're a two seed. Michigan State. Michigan State. And San Diego State. San Diego State's two seed. Yep. Only San Diego State and Auburn right now are undefeated. Well, it's interesting. We got a guy Butler. I don't remember Butler ever being this highly rated. San Diego State's really good again, and you got uh, like Baylor. We hope uh, Baylor goes poorly. Um, yep, as always. By the way, Oregon, Oregon, my Oregon squad sticking in there. Yes, um, Dayton. Dayton, I Dayton's my team this year. They are my team. That oh that. Uh, well, your shockers. Why well, just turn your back on your shockers like this? Because Dayton is just—they're—they're they're the team that I think is going to make a Final Four run this year, oh. potentially. Uh, Seton Hall. I really like Seton Hall, but they tend to let their emotions get the best of them. Not a great free throw shooting team, but I really like Seton Hall. Uh, you know who Lenardi has San Diego State playing matched up against? Oh, I would imagine I don't know some only team. North Dakota State. SDSU versus NDSU, baby. <laughs> I heard uh, like a week or so ago, some, some ranking of no, some, somebody had like Oral Roberts as the favorite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you, have you seen Oral Roberts' schedule? It's, they only do it because they were the number one team in the summer. That's why like you can't really take Lenardi seriously. If you want like Andy, Andy Katz, will actually project who he thinks is going to win. He doesn't take the favorites right now. Lenardi just, you know, f- until conference play really starts getting into gear, he'll just take the favorite. Like right now he has Montana winning the big sky. I don't want to color Montana in again in my, in my map. I don't really don't want that. Um, uh, Roberts has played Roger State. Zach and they played Roger State. Really? They played Central Oklahoma. They played. They played Haskell. <laughs> and they also played South Southwest Christian University. That's a difficult. They played those teams. That's a difficult non-conference schedule. That's like they played them. That's like SDSU playing uh, Wright State and Dakota Wesleyan in presentation. Dakota State, Mount Marty, and the school minds. You. <laughs> Do, uh, do you know what uh, what team's out of the whack right now, according to Lenardi? What teams are out of the whack? No, no. I what team? What, te- what team? What team he has in the in the whack right now? Is whack representative? Kansas City. I'm just, Kansas City. I'm sure. Yes, he does. Oh, yeah, that's gonna happen. Yep. Summit, so future Summit League uh, winners, UMKC. You know, you know why I disdain for UMKC. Yes, I do. Um, Runs deep. Runs very deep. It, right now, again, this is just the January 7th bracketology. But in the West, he has the he has Gonzaga as the one, uh, Baylor the two, Oregon the three, Michigan four, Arizona five. I would take K 
Kentucky's the six right now. They're intriguing. I think I would take Oregon. Kentucky is a six seed? Kentucky is a six seed. What? Yep. In the Midwest, Butler's the one, Auburn the two, Ohio State three, Louisville four, Penn State five, Marquette six. Virginia a seven. That's weird. I would take, so you could potentially see Auburn, Virginia in the round of 32. In the second round. There's 10 teams from the Big Ten. 10 of them in. See, I'm not far off with this then. Like, I'm going to have to see Rutgers and Penn State here prove to me that they're fucking tournament teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rutgers and Penn State? Yep. What type of world are we living in? Right. I would take either... One that's getting bombed by Iran at the moment. That's the world we're living in. Uh, Louisville... Is squatted 11 seat? Come on. I would take either, in the Midwest, I would take either Louisville or Auburn. Probably Auburn, but, you know, Louisville's a good one. In the East, Duke's the I one. Think, yeah. I think uh, Shattenkirk and uh, Marcus are going to go to Omaha. So they'll be seeing Kansas for sure. So that we know. Maybe they'll see a Wichita State. Ooh. That'd be interesting. Uh, but in the East, Duke's the one, Michigan State's two, West Virginia three, Dayton four. This is the best of the region so far. I would take Michigan State, but Dayton. I could see Dayton, D- Wichita State four five. Look at that. Yeah. Look at that. And that the Rutgers Utah State. That's like the most uh, playing game of the playing games we've ever had. If that happens. What select teams going to lose? Oh, Prairie View A&M versus the Ruse. I don't know who to hate more. Oh, no. Oh, no. You know Texas Southern's going to win and win the SWAC. You know it. What two teams are the Pac-12 getting in this year? Let's see. Oregon and who? Arizona. Colorado's good. Colorado's very good. Uh, Arizona. Washington's going to get in. They'll, they'll get in four. How about Eric Musselman at Arkansas right now? He's going to get them in the tournament. Good deal. So. Seems like we got some, we got some new teams this year. Some yes. This is going to be the most wide open year I think we've ever had. And that's why I need to really start watching my college basketball. And we will be talking college basketball throughout the month of January and February. But is there anything else that we need to get to before we say so long? Let's say you had a Hall of Fame vote for football. Yeah. Would you vote? Would you vote for Frank Gore? I think so. I would, in part because of the longevity, but also look at the yards. Like that's, it's impressive what he's done. I, I think I would give it to him, in long, in large part because of the longevity. He's gonna get in. I probably would not vote for him. Would you would you be steadfast against it though if he got him? Would you be like, this is a terrible pick? Any time when he was playing, did you think, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer? Or I mean, it's, it's just the numbers because he's been around for fifteen years. Let me. And he had he had one great year. I would say it was his second year. He almost had seventeen hundred yards. Mm-hmm. 
other than that, he's had two 1,200-yard years. Mm-hmm. He's had three or four 1,100-yard years. A couple of thousand. I mean, he, he had one year that, you look at his stats, one year pops out. That was the second year. Uh-huh. Other than that, he had eight other 1,000-yard years, none really higher than 1,200. Let me ask you this. Who's more of a hall? Of, who's more deserving of the Hall of Fame, Frank Gore or Eli Manning? That was another guy. I wouldn't vote for him either. I would say Frank Gore. I'd be more apt to vote for Frank Gore. Eli Manning made the one one. Uh, what is around seventeen, eighteen years. 17 years? Uh, yeah, 18? it was 04 draft along with uh, Ben Rapisberger and uh, and uh, Philip Rivers. Very good. He's been around a long time. He won playoff games in two of those years. He won Super Bowl both of those years. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the Kirk Cousins thing. He won the Super Bowl. He had the great throw to David Tyree. I don't remember them. I, I remember the defense and the defensive line of the Giants. I don't remember Eli Manning doing anything much of note. He threw the long pass to Tyree. He threw the, I remember, touchdown to Plaxico Burris in the last minute of the game. Mm-hmm. The interesting to see what his stats were for the Super Bowl. I don't remember him being the reason why. They won the Super Bowl. I would not vote for Eli Manning. Would you vote for him? I, I. It de- both of these guys are going to get it. It I'm would, it really would, de- it would depend on who else in the class is there. Um, I certainly wouldn't do him first ballot. Uh, but I think eventually, depending on who's in the class, I could see them getting in. Speaking here's of, here, yeah. here's how I view Frank Gore. He played a long time. He's got he plays next year and may get sixteen thousand yards for his career. Mm-hmm. Somehow, you know, three thousand yards for a quarterback is not a lot. Is it three thousand yards? It's quite poor, you would say, right? Yep. Let's say let's say there's a Case Keenum or some guy out there that bounces around. Mm-hmm. And he, he kicks around long enough. Let's say he somehow throws for 3,000 yards for 20 years in a row. I'd have to that put him in. I'd have to put him in. That puts him, you put him in. You, that, yep. that, that put him at, what, 60,000? He'd be, what, fifth, sixth all-time in yards? He'd be yep. way up there, right? Yep. Even though he never threw for much more than 3,000 in a season. See, I, I need Hall of Fame years. Okay, so I look at Frank. I look at Frank Gore. How many Hall of Fame years did he have? I count. I look at one. Hey, seventeen hundred yards. That's pretty good. He had ten touchdowns once. I would. I don't. I don't know this. And this is a. This is not a great comparison, but it's the only thing I can think of. Cal Ripken, and the, all those consecutive starts he had. What three thousand one hundred eighty-two and all that. How great were his stats in every one of those years? He was good. He won the MVP at least once. He, he, he won the MVP twice. Okay. In 83 and in 91. 
See, he's better. Th- he's better than Frank Gore and Eli Manning in their respective oh, yeah. in, in their I respective would, sports. But I guess that's where I go with the comparison. Like Cal Ripken isn't. Oh yeah. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that he though is. What is is, is he is he top five in any statistical category? His career. I mean, he played a long time. Yes, he well. did. And that's why I compa- that's why I'm comparing Gore and Manning to him. But, but his his career war is ninety five. That's exceptional. He had one season. He had eleven war. Another year he had ten. Another year he had eight. We need to stop talking about war. We're about to enter one, so we don't need to talk I about know. war. Seven war. I mean, I'm looking for Hall of Fame years, and Cal Ripken had. Six years above six or two above ten, which is impressive. I would say once he hit his 30s, he dwindled off a little bit. But in his 20s, yes, I would say he was. He's a Hall of Famer. I have no doubt about that. Like Frank Gore, how many Hall of Fame years did he have? One sticks out. I don't know how many else. How many times did he finish in the top five in rushing? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I look at old dumb shit Manning here. He led the league in interceptions three times. How many times did he throw for more than 30 touchdowns? Twice. Like, his stats look really good if he played probably in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. But I just compare him to his... If I compare him to Philip Rivers, I think that'd be an interesting comparison. He finished 117 and 117. He finished with a 500 record, 366 touchdowns, 57,000 yards. I never saw uh, Frank Gore play, and I thought, yep, that's a Hall of Famer. I never worried when we played the Giants. I never worried about Eli Manning. Mm-hmm. I never worried, oh, he's going he's gonna to hurt me. No. I, I don't think he was that I don't think he's a Hall of Fame player. He won the Super Bowl, so they'll give him that, but he only won playoffs in two seasons. I mean, eh. So I, I, they're both going to get in, but I don't, I, I would not vote for either of them. Couple of last quick notes. Uh, Tua has declared for the NFL draft, so he's going to be drafted by the Miami Dolphins at fifth overall. I think that's the right decision for him. Can I can I tickle your fancy here? Yes. Who's picking third? Uh, um, Detroit, I believe. Should Detroit pick a quarterback? They could. Depends on. Stafford, I was surprised that Stafford's only 32. There's yeah. no reason to play to a next year, no matter where he goes. You sit him for a year. Absolutely. Sure and it's, and it's, sure it's, it's... So at that point... Yeah, it, it wouldn't be because of the... It wouldn't be because he's not ready, like... like it, it would be because of the injury. It wouldn't be because of anything other than the injury. Sit him next year. So if you're Detroit, and then a year after that, Stafford's at 33... He'd be going to what? It's twelve, thirteen. You're like, how how much long? I mean, we know what Matt Stafford is. Mm-hmm. Solid quarterback. He made the playoffs a couple of times. They've had a couple of good years. Um, we, I mean, we know what what that's been. So I don't know when 
how long uh, Detroit's going to go with Matt Stafford. Well, my question to you, he's only 31 years old, 32 next year. Is Matt Stafford a Hall of Famer? Because he's putting up a lot of numbers. He is. He's, you know, he stays healthy. This is really, he uh, missed some games early in his career. Besides that, besides this year, he had gone eight straight years without missing a start. I will have to wait until his career is done to really fully debate that or think of it. I would imagine, just based on stats, he will exceed whatever Eli Manning has done. Probably. Yards, touchdowns, and Manning's going to get in. And I think I have it. I think I finally figured out who Kirk Cousins is. Who's that? Do you know who he is? I don't know. Who? I think he's Jeff Fisher. No. No. That's a bad... I think think he's Jeff Fisher. At least then he's got to get to one Super Bowl and come up one yard short. He's like a 12-4 year all the time, but all the thing with Jeff Fisher is they have 7-9, 8-8 stuff. Yeah. Cousins, I think, is now, I think he's 70 and 30 against good teams, all 500 teams. Seven, they're 7 and 30. 7 and 30. Only guy worse is Stafford. Ugh. Ugh. So, I, I mean, it's, it's very tough to beat the good teams, and most of the quarterbacks have records under 500. But it just so happened that Stafford is the worst, Cousins is second. You want to guess the three quarterbacks who are over 500 against the good teams? Uh, Rodgers. No. No. Brady. Yes. Wilson. Yes. And uh, Breeze. Roethlisberger. Ah, that makes sense. I mean, it's tough to be over 500. You like to be at least win 40, 45%. Mm-hmm. But Cousins, Stafford, outliers on the bad side. So I, I think he is Jeff Fisher. Um, he, and he's 7 and 30 against winning record teams. He is uh, Kirk Cousins' record 44 wins, 42 losses. And two ties. He's won exactly half of his starts he's ever made in his career. There you go. Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan had a quote today. Yeah. He said he laughs if people say that Cousins can't win a big game. He worked with Cousins in Washington, and he mm-hmm. said he cares more about what the tape looks like than what the record is on Monday nights. And he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Cousins, I, I, I don't like. I mean, Cousins, there's been some big games where he's played well in, like that Seattle game, and it wasn't his fault that they lost. The Rams game last year. Yeah. And, I mean, he loses these games because he's the quarterback, and he's going to get the credit if they win. And there's been you know, some games he's played well, they lost. Some games where they where he has played bad, and he's probably why the reason why they lost. But and he won the game on he was the winning quarterback there on on Sunday. So he won he won a playoff game, but 
So that was that was good. But again, other quick notes. Play better. Yep. Play better Saturday. Don't turn the ball over again. He will. Do a little bit more. Throw a touchdown in regulation. That's all I ask. You will. Will he throw a touchdown pass? Yes. In a regulation. Yes. He will. Yes. Will he throw? Will he turn the ball over? Probably once, but only once. Other notes, uh, Matt Rule is the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Seven-year, $60 million deal, uh, incentives up to $70 million, and some guy uh, that I've already forgotten his name of is now the head coach of the Giants. He was Joe Judge? Joe Judge, thank you. Uh, special teams. Oh, in the hell is, I have never heard of this guy before today. I have not never either. Never been the wide receivers coach for New England. Wide receivers and special teams, I think. Was there any special teams in there? Like the Giants. They're going to turn in the Browns. They are. Yep, and the Browns are the only team without a head coach. So, there you have it. All right. Well, Crins, I hope we're talking a Viking victory next week. But you have a fantastic week, my friend, and uh, and we will chat next week about the Vikings one way or the other. I hope so. I hope so. Skull. 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 Copenhagen, the whole deal. (laughs) Very good. Thank you, my friend. All right. Travis Crins joining us here at Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time, as always. Great stuff there. Uh, Lots of talk on the Vikings. Uh, Yeah. Big week. Divisional football will make the picks here in a little bit. You can listen to this podcast, as always, uh, via podcast.com. Also, follow me on Twitter, at NDStacken. Facebook, Nathan Stacken. The link to the podcast. Pulls the middle to later part of each week. Coming up next, though, more on the national championship game. We preview that with our good friend, Charlie Hildebrand. And also make picks for the NFL divisional games this week. It's all coming up here. Uh, but what a what a great win for the Vikings. Oh, my God. What a great win. Let's let's keep it going, Vikings. Let's do it again. They know what they did the last time they had a big win against the Saints. They laid an egg against the Eagles in the NFC Championship game. It's not going to happen against the 49ers. They're going to give a good effort, and hopefully they'll come out on top. But we'll talk National Championship game, college football style, next. Charlie Hildebrand coming up next here on the Sports Block Podcast. Now available on podcast.com. We continue here on the Sports Block Podcast. Please be joined by my good friend and uh, our college football expert, Charlie Hildebrand here. Charlie, how are we doing? Konnichiwa. I'm doing quite well. I haven't talked to you in a decade, I think. So uh, this is uh, this is uh, <laughs> this true. is good. Uh, so uh, Happy New Year to you. Um, thank you. You also. Thank you. The before we're going to preview the national championship game next week between or that's happening this upcoming Monday between Clemson and LSU, January thirteenth. Two Tigers. Yes, so one Tigers got to win, one Tigers got to lose. But uh, a number of bowl games have happened uh, between when we talked last week and uh, when we're talking now. I think now. all of the other ones. I think there's only one other one besides the title game, and it's tomorrow. And it's yes. Like a- Miami of Ohio and somebody. And Louisiana. And Louisiana That's should right. kick the crap out of them. But we'll, we'll see if that happens. But uh, what have you taken what – what are some of your biggest takeaways from the bowl games that we have seen since we talked last week? That's a good question. I'm trying to think back to remember what it was because well, – we like, You know, that was just Wednesday. That was January 1st. Yep. 
so we I had to go back to work Thursday and Friday. It feels like that was a while ago now. Oh yeah, um, I hear you loud and clear. Uh, I guess I'm not. I'm not surprised that Alabama won. I thought they'd win by even more than they did. I'm surprised it was as close as it was, and it wasn't like it was like that close. Uh, big W for your Gophers, who yes. looked pretty good against Auburn, who I think it's safe to say that Auburn is pretty good this year. Alabama and had you know nine and three in the regular season in the SEC West. Yeah, they beat and Oregon, who were the the Rose Bowl champions, defeating Wisconsin. Yep. Uh, and uh, yeah, Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl was good. Yep. Uh, I think Wisconsin probably wishes they didn't turn it over like four times and have that punt block. Yep. But, but it was a good game. And I'm glad that Wisconsin lost because I'm usually happy when Wisconsin loses at things. I think we all are. It's kind of like them in Iowa. Uh, at least that that's us, here in the Midwest. Uh, us Northerners don't get that same SEC pride. That I don't know. I like to an extent. I kind of understand. Like, oh, I hope the conference my team plays them looks good. But it's also weird when it's like, oh, this team that I hate and hate them so much. I do hope they win every other game outside of the conference. Where I do not feel that way. So I laugh a lot when Wisconsin loses. I laugh a lot when Ohio State loses. So. Let me ask you regarding Minnesota and Auburn because Auburn certainly didn't look well and there will be those people or the, there are those people out there that say, well, Auburn, if they had chosen to show up, they would have beat Minnesota pretty easily. I didn't get that sense. I thought Minnesota played a very good game overall and I think Auburn was, you know, it was, it's a I, seven. Auburn didn't look like they didn't show up. I mean, what was 38-31 was the final score? 31-24. 3124, yeah. I mean, you know, it's not like Auburn had a great offense all year long. Right. I mean, I think they showed up to play and they just lost. Now, I think if you want to say that they maybe didn't give it like the worth the national title game effort, I think there may be some truth to that. But, I mean, I don't think they were just showing up and going through the motions and practice the whole time. I mean, it definitely looks, it didn't look like they were just like, yeah, we don't care that we gave up the score. We don't care about this game at all. It sure looked like they were trying. Yep. So, yeah, big win for your Gophers. You finished what eleven and two on the season, I think. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Which I uh, gotta be honest, I didn't think ever in my lifetime that Minnesota Gophers would win eleven games on a football season. I think it's the so, first time they've won eleven games since nineteen oh four. So there's yeah. that. Uh, the crazy ending to Western Kentucky and Western Michigan. Did you see this game in the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl on Monday? This one, I did not. I believe I was at work during that game. Well, so, I mean, they're going back and forth, Western Kentucky, Western Michigan. And Western Kentucky outplayed Western Michigan. There was a pick six that kind of swung, you know, the scales in favor of Western Michigan for a while. But uh, Western Michigan, or Western Kentucky's kicker, 15 of 26 on the year. He makes a field goal uh, to tie the game at 20. And then they get the ball back. And I believe it's at like the 32-yard line or 30, 34, 35-yard line. Uh, they attempt to hail Mary rather than trot him out for a you know 55-yard kick or whatever. I think it was okay. So it was at the 40. They they try the hail Mary. It doesn't work. And oh, we're going to go to overtime. But Western Michigan had 12 men on the field. They trot the kicker out. He makes a 52-yarder. A guy 15 of 26 on the year. Makes a 52-yard field goal. That's just a, a kick in the I groin to Western Michigan. I'd forgotten about that. I, I, like I said, I didn't see it, but someone at work was talking about that. I remember that. Like, I've seen it where, you know, a team misses a field goal, but, like, 
an offsides or an illegal substitution or something like that gives them the five yards, but not that the other team had too many people on the field during a field goal attempt. I think that's the first time I'd ever heard of that happening. Uh, Mississippi State loses in the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl and fires their head coach, Joe Moorhead. Uh, is that a little surprising to you? I mean, it, yeah, I thought it, that was really surprising. It, it's, it's very rare anymore that coaches get fired after bowl games because, I mean, A, you got to find a new coach before the second of the two signing days. B, I don't know if this is going to happen or not, but if the recruits that they signed in the early signing period all say, hey, we don't want to go to the school because they just fired the head coach. They may not get out of their uh, nationally signed letters of intent, but it's very possible they could. And I guess, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we see this a lot, especially in college sports, of teams that, you know, are better for a few years than they normally are, and mm-hmm. a coach leaves. Or maybe it's the same coach, and then they kind of don't quite win as much as they were, but are still better than they were before, and just decide, like, no, that's it. We're firing them. This isn't good. Like, basically, what. What happened to Iowa State with Dan McCarty and what happened to Kansas with Mark Mangino? Where it's just like, nope, not good enough. <laughs> oh, Kansas and, wishes they could have that one back. Or Minnesota yeah. with Glenn Mason until Fleck came along. No, Iowa State's better now, but they weren't for eight or nine years in between. Right. Same with the and Gophers. I, just, I mean, I'm not saying Joe Moore is great. I mean, they, they went to a bowl game this year. I think they won eight or nine games last year which historically is very, very good for Mississippi State outside of the Dan Mullen times. And I just I – like, I don't know who they're going to get because I think it's going to be better. Well, I mean, I don't think they're going to get a guy from another Power 5 school, so they've got to get a group of five coach, which, you know, they could pan out. Some of them pan out great. A lot of them don't know. And I just – I mean, they're still, at best, the sixth best job, I think, in the SEC West. And yeah, and that was my thought. Maybe the seventh best, yeah. But I just, I, I mean, if 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 they'd gone like three and nine, maybe. But I mean, it's it's very weird after just two years, where I think they won nine games last year and six this year. So I mean, fifteen wins in two years, and you go to a bowl game both times, they're just like no. We're Mississippi State. We're better. It's like, I don't, I don't know if you are better. No, I, and I, I totally agree with you. Outside of the Dak Prescott years, I mean, it, like that's when Mississippi State was really good. But how are you – I mean, you're just a middle-of-the-road SEC team. Uh, can you hang with the Alabamas at home? Sure, every once in a while. Uh, you can, might get a game or, you know, get a win there. But this is – it. it this is just one of those another SEC school apart from Vanderbilt and you know Coach Mason there, like there's just nothing. I I just I'm very surprised that Mississippi State would do this. They, they aren't competing for national championships or the SEC West title. That belongs to Alabama, Auburn, and LSU. At Mississippi State, I guess, on a consistent basis. Until you get to that stage. Then maybe you can start having the higher expectations, but right now, that's not what you would get at either Mississippi you school. Be careful with the higher expectations. Nebraska fired Bo Pelini because they thought nine wins a year wasn't good. Enough. Well, that's that's and they've only won nine wins once since they fired Bo. That's that's a fair point, but I mean for Missis- for both Mississippi schools, I think they have to take. I don't know. It, it was just very surprising. I, I think Mississippi State's going to going to rue the day that they uh, fire yeah. him, Be, unless you have something else in the works, or unless there is something else going that went on behind the scenes 
that we don't know about that led to his departure or his firing. Yeah, and I, and I guess there could be, but I mean, as of now, we haven't heard anything. Right. Not to say that something couldn't still come out, but I mean, I, like to me, this is just basically. I mean, this is I, I, this isn't a perfect comparison, but this is essentially like if Indiana next year went six and six, they were like, "Screw you, Tom Allen, you're fired." Even though you're the best coach we've had in I don't know twenty or thirty years at lowly Indiana. Just like, nope, we're better than that. And it's just like, nope, so that's not a good idea to get rid of that. Uh, Florida wins the Capital One Orange Bowl, uh, but Virginia covered due to a late score, so that's going to upset quite a few betters in Vegas. Uh, the Belk Bowl was highly entertaining. Uh, Lynn Bowden Jr., the wide receiver turned quarterback for Kentucky, had over 200 yards rushing against my Hokies, and... I like you know I think the Hokies got should have won they blew it yeah they did but they got jobbed by the refs a few times but at the end of the day you have to stop them but I mean very very impressive performance by Bowden it was a very good performance for uh, a good outing from him he's a very good player. I don't know why they couldn't rise up and play good defense in Bud Foster's last game, though. That's exactly right. Uh, I I wish it would have happened. Uh, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, if you liked field goals, uh, then this was the game for you for Arizona State. They get a defensive score. Florida State looked terrible. That 91-yard touchdown aside, Florida State just looked like they didn't want to go there at all, be there at all. Uh, Blackman uh, had a had a bad game for Florida State. Their quarterback, what, four interceptions or something like that? Uh, Arizona State wins. They were fairly lucky to do so, but uh, yeah, yikes. Uh, Florida State not looking good. I didn't see a lot of this bowl game. This was while I was at work, but I took my lunch break and saw like half an hour real time of that game. And I remember it was just like, I didn't know that they that Tony the Tiger was the sponsor. And I remember they had something where like Tony the Tiger, like a an animated or like CGI version of him was on in the commercial. And it was just like, this is very weird. Man. This is a sponsor for me. And like, I don't need to say like, it's bad or I hate it. I was just like, Oh, this is, this is very strange right now. Then uh, Navy beats Kansas state in the AutoZone Liberty bowl. So good for Navy there. That was a, p- a pretty entertaining game. Uh, that one I did see. Did you, do you remember how that one ended? Well, uh, well, yes. Uh, Navy was, go, goes for it on. It was either third and short or fourth and short. And believe, Navy basically ran like a halfback pass. Yes. To a guy who was wide open. Yes. With, I don't know, like 15 seconds left in the game and then kicked a field goal on the last play of the game to win. What I don't like in, is in college, you can call consecutive timeouts without it being like an unsportsmanlike conduct at all, like it is in the NFL. Because Kansas State, I believe, had all three of their timeouts and called the timeouts. Then, no, oh, we're gonna, you know, if there's if there's someone that you think is going to freeze up and uh, and and miss a field goal because of all the time that it, you know, it's taking between the timeouts and anything, I don't think a freshman kicker from Navy is going to be that person that's going to miss that or get flustered by it. You know what I mean? Like, well, a freshman <laughs> might. If it was a senior, I get what you're saying, but. First off, I don't have a problem with taking the timeouts. But if you're going to, this is just me. If I had three timeouts, I would not take all three of them. I would take one or maybe two and then send about the last time, make them think I was going to call the third timeout. That's a good idea. Call it. 
Yep. And have them be like, when are they going to call it? Be like, oh, shit, I guess I actually have to kick this now. Yep. And would it work? Probably not. But it seems like that would work more than just being like, all right, so we're kicking a field goal right now. Let's just kick it seven minutes from now. Is Texas back? Or did Utah just not show up? I feel like it's more the latter, but uh, Texas has won now two their last two bowl games very impressively over two highly ranked teams. They have, and uh, Texas should get credit that they did win this game. I think this one, unlike the previous year with Georgia, that I think Utah maybe wasn't as interested, but also just did not have the same level of athletes. Well, I think Texas, like especially in terms of like skill guys, mm-hmm. has better athletes than Utah does. Where I don't think that's true with Georgia. So I think Georgia still probably should have found a way to one to win, but didn't. And I, I this was just a scenario where you know you're Utah and you're going. Well, I mean, like you said, I mean, I think Utah very much was just like, oh no, I can't believe we didn't get this. And and not just that they didn't get the Pac-12 title and played in the playoff, but fell all the way down to the Alamo Bowl. Right, and essentially playing a a de facto road game because of how close San Antonio and Austin are to one another. Yeah, where, I mean, at least with Georgia, I mean, Georgia was still playing in the Sugar Bowl, which is still a big bowl game when they showed up. But but anyways, I do not think Texas is back. I think they will probably be ranked in the top 15 in the preseason, largely because of the bowl win. And you and I will both have to try to not pick them to win the Big Twelve or go to the playoff next year. I will. I will not do that. I, I will. I will do my best not to. Uh, jo- I don't think I will either. But I picked Michigan to go to the college football to the playoff like twice in the last four years, and it's never worked. Well, uh, speaking of Georgia, they beat Baylor pretty impressively in the All-State Sugar Bowl. Uh, Jake Fromm played very well. The defense was good. There, they had several guys sitting out and. I think that kind of scared some people. It scared me. I didn't have this game uh, in terms of a lot of high confidence points just because of what happened to Georgia last year against Texas in the Sugar Bowl and with the guys sitting out. But they looked very good, and Kirby Smart, you could tell that, you know, it was, oh, like, are you going to show up unlike last year? That those questions throughout the weeks leading up to the Sugar Bowl were weighing on him. And uh, it was an, a pretty good statement by Georgia picking up this win against Baylor. Yeah, I think last year kind of let them know that they – and I, Texas should still get credit for winning the Sugar Bowl last year, but, but that you still got to come up to play in a game like that. And, and more importantly, that Baylor just doesn't have the same level of dudes that Georgia or Texas last year did. So, you know, Georgia missing players because of injuries or suspensions or guys leaving early – like I get that that could maybe mess up chemistry and stuff like that, but I mean it's not like it's not like Georgia's replacing those guys with a whole bunch of Johnny Tryhards that shouldn't be out on the field. I mean they're all four or five star guys that are coming in to replace the other guys, so they may not be as experienced, but they're still loaded with talent. Then finally, uh, my other big takeaway: uh, no ending to a bowl game has upset me more this year than Tennessee Indiana in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Indiana should have won this game, but they have a kicker who misses an extra point, and then a, subsequently a long field. Like, they had Tennessee, they, they had this game, after doing nothing offensively in the first half, they got a drive late to get a field goal, it was 6-3 at half, and then Indiana starts rolling offensively in the second half, Tennessee can't do jack, 
And then all of a sudden, Tennessee scores a touchdown late. It's like, oh, okay, it's 22-16. to 16. This makes me a little fearful. And then an onside kick. And Indiana just didn't they, – they couldn't recover. And both the kick and then defensively they couldn't recover because they give up a touchdown there. Tennessee somehow wins this game 23-22 despite their uh, uneducated fans not being able to spell good old Rocky Top in the in the stands. That's uh, one of and the iconic uh, moments from bowl season for me. But t- Indiana, go to hell. <laughs> yeah, whoopee. But uh, go to hell, Indiana, for losing that game. Strong to wish eternal damnation on the entire team <laughs> in the state because of one bowl loss. I mean, if I yeah, if I lose to Traxler in the if I lose to Traxler in the bowl pick'em because of this, I could have had 18 points with Indiana and I would be in the clear. Instead, he picks up two points with Tennessee. I don't get the 18. That's a that's a 20 point swing. Yeah, but I bet you had more games that you lost that were higher than 18 points that you could have gotten right too. Though. Yeah, Utah. Utah yeah. was one of them. I uh, had to take basketball pictures and missed most of this game. I got back to that game when there were six minutes left, so I basically saw all of the important stuff at the end. So I can blame I you for the loss? The, yeah, I mean, if you want to, you can. I literally, basically, other than I remember when Indiana had the ball, they threw like a long pass to a receiver and then ended up either missing a field goal or punting on that drive anyways. That was literally the only positive Indiana play I saw in the Six minutes of game time when I got there, that was left. I'm gonna. It was, yeah, it was not. Apparently, Indiana did good stuff before I got there, but once I got there, it was mostly, you know, Tennessee fans in the stands going nuts, which I guess shows how far Tennessee's fallen this yeah. century. Where you know mm-hmm. they entered this century as, or I think in ninety, yeah, ninety eight they won a national title. Ninety nine they played Nebraska in the Fiesta Bowl. Which is a nice little comparison for Nebraska ball, too. But now they're freaking out over beating Indiana in a bowl game, which I guess I think it was their first one since 2016. So, or the first bowl game period. So, I guess, I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm making fun of them too much because, you know, if you haven't been to two straight bowl games, all of a sudden you're probably excited to be back to one just period. Yeah, you and my mom, I think, jinxed Indiana in this one because she started watching late in the contest, too, with about six minutes left, and Tennessee scores the two touchdowns. So, uh, we didn't want to tell you this, Nathan, but actually all of us had this conspiracy that we were all going to watch and give Indiana bad juju God, just to mess up it. your bull pick things. Wow. And I just couldn't keep the secret any longer. I had to tell you that that's what we have been trying to do. And it's not for anything personal. It was just like, you know what, let's just try something crazy. Yeah. Well, doggone it! Uh, I, I commend you for uh, for for doing that. And then uh, Frank Solak gets uh, doused with a uh, with a bunch of potatoes at the end of the famous Idaho Potato Bowl that Ohio won. So that was that was interesting to see. Uh, no Gatorade bath; it's a, fa- a French fry bath for him. I think it's safe to say you couldn't do that with the name of every bowl game, but for the most part, as long as it wouldn't seriously injure someone or cost thousands of dollars. I think every bowl game should do that. Yeah, can, like, can you imagine Coach Pruitt at Tennessee getting uh, dumped uh, like a Gatorade bowl or a Gatorade tub full of Gators and uh, I don't know Tax Slayer uh, software? I think that wouldn't work. But Tony the Tiger Bowl, I and mean, you drop the dump frost flakes on them. I think that yes. would certainly work. Yeah, I think Rose I think bowl, I think they did that. Just cut off the little prickly parts, and you can dump roses on people. 
the, oranges could maybe be a little problematic. That might hurt sugar. Sugar would be gross. You have to take a shower afterwards. That's really isn't going to hurt you at all. It would be a sweet. For the sugar bowl. It would be sweet though, wouldn't it? <laughs> it sure would be. Yeah. Uh, In fact, for the sugar bowl, they have to dump it not from the back, but from the front with the coach's mouth open. And the Outback Bowl, you could dump uh, boomerangs and steaks and uh, blooming onions there. So yeah, blooming onion and the cheese fries that are like seventy five hundred calories and kill you, <laughs> like take a year off your life and taste good. Well, it's kind of like the Viking Saints game uh, on Sunday for me, taking a year years off my life. Very Ho- much so. Hopefully, but, but hey, you know, I would hope that the Adam Thielen catch would at least put like a week back on your life. Well, I mean, after he fumbled it and dropped uh, and had the the penalty in the first half, uh, it, it, he was due no, to. No, I know those took away. I'm saying though that the last one at the end had to at least extend right. things by a little bit. Right. It, it, well, I mean, you probably lost like four years, but at least you got like three or four weeks left back on the back end. We'll take. It's like taking your college textbooks back at the end of the semester, and you're like, I paid seven hundred dollars, but hey, here's your forty four dollars back for bringing it back. God, that was such a it's such a scam, such a rip off. What colleges do with textbooks there? Uh, we hopefully will have a textbook game in the national championship game next Monday nice, night. I like that transition. Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, Clemson against LSU. We know Clemson, I mean, Trevor Lawrence hasn't lost at all in his collegiate career. And I know I think we we had our first initial thoughts last week. Has anything changed with you? Because, I, again, I just don't see it, – It's it seems crazy to pick against Clemson, but LSU is on such a tear and on such a roll right now. I don't even see the great Trevor Lawrence and Clemson's defense being able to fully – take down LSU. Yeah, I think I generally would agree that I don't think they are either. I mean, I, I'm going to preface this with I think it's safe to say that Ohio State is much better than Oklahoma is this year. Yes. So that is part of why LSU looks so good. But Clemson shouldn't have beat Ohio State. I think Ohio State should have won and should be playing LSU the way that... I think if that game basically plays out most of the same ways, Ohio State wins like seven or eight times out of ten. If it's not for a couple of weird, you know, an iffy targeting call, that weird, we have the fumble return for a touchdown that they decided, like, actually, that doesn't count now. And a couple of other decisions here and there. And it also forced Ohio State to make field goals. And I just, LSU's offense is even better than Ohio State's is. And I think LSU's going to get to 30, at least. Maybe more. Clemson, I think, offensively is good enough that they could keep up, but I just... I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, did you, did you, I mean, even taking away like how good they are and that the ACC's not been that great, to go undefeated, regular season, conference title, bowl games, playoffs, one year is incredibly difficult. To do it two years in a row is almost impossible. Like, I, I don't think any, I, I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know if anyone's gone back-to-back undefeated two straight years since Nebraska did it in the mid-90s. Boise State maybe did, but it's just so hard to do, and LSU's so good. I mean, I think I, – I don't think LSU's going to murder them or anything, but I think it's probably going to be – well, see, I think in the 07 season, LSU beat Ohio State in the national title game, like 35-20 to 20 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I would think it's probably going to be something like that where Clemson keeps it a game and keeps it close, but LSU wins by – two scores 
and you're just like, yeah, I mean, Clemson's good, and if maybe the breaks would have perfectly gone their way, they could have maybe changed some things, but LSU just looks better. I'm not crazy in, in noticing that it's a longer layoff between the, the semifinal and the national championship, right? Is it by, like, another, like, a half week? Yeah, I think this one's longer than most because the the semifinal games were so early this year. They were on the 28th where, you know, usually they either want to – they've frequently been on New Year's Day or on New Year's Eve. But so like the semifinals the national... were a little bit earlier. Than, I think the title game's like two or three days later than it normally is just because of how the calendar falls. Shouldn't the national championship game normally be like this Monday, January 6th? That's what it was when it was the BCS, and then once they went to the uh, the fourteen playoff, I think it was a little bit longer because they wanted to give them an extra extra prep time and like fans to get prepared to make travel plans and also players to rest up a little bit. Sure. Okay. So I mean, I would assume that that's why, but I mean, it is weird that it's like, hey, national title game. It's just like, oh yeah, that was. Uh, Long time ago. Does, does this extra rest give any team an advantage over the other? In terms of like coaching, I don't know if it does. I don't remember any injury details. If, if someone's got a few more guys hurt and they can get healthy in that time frame, I think that would be more advantageous. But I don't. I don't remember anyone that was injured to the point that they would be able to come back just in this short time frame. I feel but, like, but I could be forgetting at the same time. I feel like for Clemson, they have to get Travis Etienne the ball more frequently, and they have to get him going early. I think if they can do that, it just... I mean, LSU's defense has been playing much better over the last quarter of the season, but, I mean, they haven't seen a back like Etienne, I would argue, uh... This season, well, he's not the same style. Alabama's got—I forget what the guy's name is. I think Alabama's running back is probably as talented, although they're not the same style right. of running back. I think ETN's more more balanced and can do anything you want him to. But I mean, for Najee Davenport? No, that was no, that's not. Uh, let's see if I can get it uh, pulled up I was, was going to say Najee Davenport, and I was just like, no, that was a Miami running back from literally like 15 years ago. Oh, so. it's uh, Nikhil Harris? Let me... Najee Harris. You, you were right Najee with... Najee Harris, that's right. Yep. Like the, first, the first name right, not the last name right. Uh, ETN, though, I mean, has such great breakaway speed. I think that Clemson... I mean, he could be the ultimate... Difference maker because we know they have Higgins and Ross at wide receiver, and Trevor Lawrence is fantastic. We know, and ETN's a very, very good running back. I just think you need to get him the ball frequently because I think he could do the most damage out of any player on the field and can change the way that this game plays well, out. Any player for Clemson, I think. Yes, I think yes, Joe Burrow's yes. the guy who can do the most. Yes, but, yes. But I, I, I get what you're saying, though. And I think ETN is probably, I mean, it seems like he's maybe, like, the most underrated, like, really good running back of, like, the last three to five years. Yes. Which is crazy because he's on a team that's, I think, won two national titles, one or two national titles since he's been there with a chance to win another this year. Mm-hmm. And I guess because Clemson just murders so many teams in the regular season, people don't watch him as much. I mean, kind of thing. I think other, I think I've seen Clemson play twice this year, and one of them was when they beat Ohio State. 
just because it's just like, oh, I'm not going to watch them beat Louisville by 50 because that's not very entertaining. And then the other thing is, I was talking about injuries, and I'd forgotten about this, but if I remember right, in the Ohio State game, that I think two of Clemson's receivers got hurt, if I remember right. I don't know how bad it was and if they will be able to be back. And I think one of them got hurt and came back in the game, and the other one, I don't remember the details. Like, maybe he got a concussion in the game mm-hmm. or something, but, I mean, for his sake, hopefully he's healthy, and then can play and I think that would help but I still I think like, I, I think Clemson's good and I don't think it's like out of reach to say they can't like say they can't win or anything I mean I you know this is still a team that's won 25 straight games or however many but I think I think LSU's just got a different kind of offense that we're used to seeing in college football where it's just like oh no they have the right quarterback and the right offensive coordinator co-coordinators I guess and the, the right skill talent, and they just are so good at everything they do. I mean, they had seven, Burrow had seven touchdowns in the first half. I mean, he's yeah. been, you know, national <laughs> just, the team. I don't think he's going to have seven touchdowns in the game against Clemson. I would agree with but that. I think he's also only three passing touchdowns away from tying the single-season record that Colt Brennan set, like, Gosh, it's 2020 now, so like 14 years ago. And now. that's the air raid attack from Hawaii. I mean, that that was impressive. Yeah, yeah granted, he'll have an extra game or two to do it, but still. And I, I mean, I, I would imagine Burrow's probably going to be account for at least four touchdowns yep. in the game. Well, Burrow is Unless going... they just all get down to the one-yard line and the running backs vulture <laughs> from uh, and you never know, that could happen. I mean, Burrow is going against a stiffer competition than Brennan was. Um LSU is so deep at wide receiver, and this year, the strength of the Clemson defense is their secondary. Last year, it was the uh, defensive line that had what all four guys get drafted in uh, in the April draft. But this Clemson secondary is going to be tested ex- a lot by just the how good all of these wide receivers for LSU are cuz not it's not just one that can beat you it's all of them yeah that's very true they've they've got dudes and i mean like Clemson's going to score they, now that i think about it this is how i think the game's going to play out similar to what i said with Ohio State and LSU from like 12 years ago I think it's actually going to play out a lot like the Ohio State-Clemson semifinal game, except LSU is just going to punch a few of those field goals into the end zone. And it's just going to be like, oh, yeah, if Clemson can get a touchdown here, they'll cut it to eight. And they'll be like, oh, they did. Oh, LSU got the ball back and went down and scored again. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Yeah, I could see that happening. I... Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't think I'm going out on too far. No, you I mean, aren't. It's not like... But, yeah, I, I don't know. Ultimately, I hope it's an entertaining and compelling game, and I think it will be. I don't think either team's just going to – I don't think it's going to be like last year where one just runs away with it and takes the other team to the woodshed. But I think LSU just has a few more dudes. and Like, I don't think Clemson is necessary. I don't, like, I certainly don't think they're taking it light or anything, but it's just – other, other than Alabama in recent years of college football, or at least at the FBS level, it's just so hard to stay on the absolute top of the mountain because everybody else is gutting for you. And mm-hmm. I just don't think, I just don't think they're going to be able to do it two years in a row. 
So at the end of the day, then, your final prediction for this game, LSU, you have LSU winning? Got LSU winning. I'm going to say LSU wins. I'm going to go a little closer than I said originally, but I'm going to go LSU 38, Clemson 28. All right, very good. Any other things that you think we need to, to look at for the national sh- uh, national championship game or t- any uh, any final thoughts? Uh, I mean, the on only it. thing I can think of off the top of my head is, I mean, if Clemson, there's a few things Clemson could do to win. One, and, and this is, you know, the same with, like, with people saying how you would stop New England for the last 15 years. It's much, much easier said than done. But you got to find a way to get to Burrow and get pressure on him and make things not easy. Because if he can just sit back there behind his incredibly good offensive line and take three, five, seven-step drops unmolested and just throw to open receivers or even covered receivers that are good enough to make plays, it just makes it that much harder to stop. I mean, I think Auburn held LSU to 23, and that's the only time they scored under 30. And most games, they've scored like over 40 or 50. And not all of them, but many of them against like some teams with good defense, like pretty good defenses too. I mean, Georgia had a pretty good defense and they basically just kind of toyed around with that. So I just, it's, it's, it's really, and it's weird to say because we're not used to LSU being good on offense recently. Right. But they just are incredibly fun to watch. Especially, especially with a good quarterback. They still be good on offense next year. They're not going to be as good as they were this year, though. So we should take time to cherish LSU's offense and also how good Clemson is on this long winning streak of theirs. So that something's going to give, and hopefully it's a fun game. Yes, I, I hope so, too. I hope it's a fun game. LSU will certainly have the crowd, though Clemson will bring plenty of fans there as well. It should be good. I look forward to chatting with you. Uh, after the championship so, game. One last thing real quick yes. just that I yep. forgot about. You mentioned yep. the crowd. LSU's played in, this will be their fourth national title game since the BCS started in 1998. Uh-huh. And they've all been in the Sugar Bowl. And yeah. it's just so strange that it's worked out that way for LSU. That any year, they won in 03, they won in 07, they lost to Alabama in that 2011 game. Yep. Yeah. And then there's this one now, and it's just very weird that all the years the planets have aligned, and LSU's made it to this game. Luckily for them, it's always been that town that's just an hour away from their school. Yeah, that is in, that is insane. Uh, it seems like more than a coincidence, but probably isn't. But yeah, I guess some of that LSU Cajun juju stuff. It's all them beignets. All the beignets down in New Orleans. Oh, Ed Oh, Coach O's going to have a great time there. Eating those beignets. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> thank you, Charlie. I'll chat with you next week. Alright, sounds good. Alright, thank you, Charlie. Charlie Hildebrand here, kind enough to join us uh, to preview the National Championship game. Always appreciate his time. It should be a great one. Uh, I'm hoping LSU wins. I want to see Joe Burrow complete what is just a, a truly awe-inspiring, magnificent story. And, uh, I mean, he's going to be the number one overall pick in this year's draft. It is this year. Yeah. April 20, 2020. Uh, 23rd is when the draft begins, and that's when his name will be called. Uh, but, yeah, tr- truly remarkable. And... We'll see what happens, but I think LSU will win. Either way, the Tigers will lose, and the Tigers will win. But I think LSU is ultimately going to beat Clemson. 
as it stands though for the playoff game. There's, I still it just Vikings beat the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans. I didn't think they had a shot, and yet as the as the week went on, I'm like, okay, you know, no one's doubting them. All the pressure's on the Saints. There is no pressure on the Vikings here because no one expects them to win. And now that they're playing San Francisco, I think they have a decent shot. I think they match up better with San Francisco. But San Francisco is going to win. That game is the first of the divisional playoffs, uh, 4.35 p.m. Eastern, 3.35 p.m. Central Time on NBC on Saturday. Six versus one there. The other, uh, we have another six versus one, the Tennessee Titans against the... Baltimore Ravens, the Titans again beat New England 20-13. Derrick Henry ran for 182 yards. He was fantastic. Uh, is it the end of an era for Tom Brady? We don't know. But Tennessee goes and plays Baltimore 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on CBS. I just do not see the Titans being able to stop Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. So I'm going to take the Ravens there. Then on Sunday at 3.05 p.m. Eastern, 2.05 p.m. Central Time on CBS, it's the Houston Texans at the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, four seed versus the two seed here. And the Texans went into Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs earlier this season. That's not going to happen this time. Uh, The offense is looking very good for the Chiefs. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, and Patrick Mahomes seems like he's back to his uh, normal, healthy, great self, and that defense is playing incredibly well right now. Uh, They are not, Houston, too inconsistent. They barely beat the Bills. It's going to take a monster effort by Deshaun Watson to upend Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They did in the regular season. It's not happening in the playoffs. And then the Seattle Seahawks, the five seed, at the two seed Green Bay Packers, 6.40 6.40 p.m. Eastern, 5.40 p.m. Central Time on Fox. As much as I would like to see the Seahawks win, got to go with the pack. I, Aaron Rodgers, they aren't great, but Seattle's not all that impressive either. Defense playing well. Uh, DK Metcalf is going to be the difference maker. The X Factor here for Seattle. If Seattle wins, it's going to be because Metcalf has a big day. But I'm going to take the Packers. Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully uh, you enjoyed the NFL Divisional Playoffs uh, next week. Well, the National Championship game will be going on again. It's at uh, Monday, January 13th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central Time on ESPN from the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans. It's not like the Saints have to worry about playing there again this season. (laughs) Uh, Carmen's going to come back and bite you, Nathan. You just need to shut up. Okay, sorry. Sorry, the Saints lost. We feel for you, Saints fans. Um, but I'm going to take LSU to win the national championship game. We'll be back to break it all next week. So thank you to Travis and thank you to Charlie. Thank you for listening. Uh, again, you can find this podcast available on podcast.com along with all of our other podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, uh, Travis at Travis Crins. Charlie at C.E. Hildebrand. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Nathan Stacken, and uh, we have a link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. So again, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. And we'll be back next week to talk about the last game of the college football season and see who's going to be playing in the championship games in the AFC and NFC. Hopefully it's the Vikings. Skull! 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 You've been listening.
to another edition, another week, another episode of the Sports Block Podcast. Have a great week, everyone. Skull! Skull! Skull!